0: This is Jonathan Hickman, and you are listening to 11 o'clock comics. That's perfect. Excellent. it? it. It was very, very nice. Smooth and shit.
1: Awesome. Awesome.
0: Wow, crickets. Y'all are dead. What's going on?
1: Dead? What are you... Come oh, on, talk it up. On the slack. Talk it up. Oh, shit. You're just like, I've been busy. You shit <laughs> <laughs> done. Dude, our dudes are literally dropping pictures to entice you. They're like, Vince, look at this. This is so cool. Crickets.
0: There's a man. <laughs>
2: it's rough out here. I do get my birthdays Aren't done,
0: here. though. Huh? I always get my birthdays done. Make sure to say Happy birthday To, to my friends and, and peeps I always
3: do Don't I <laughs> yeah. Every day I do It's emergency He's a turtle That comes out From his shell To say happy birthday <laughs> and, and, and he goes And hibernates so Raf's Wednesday. birthday
0: was, was lately What else Who else's birthday Was it I just like to say Happy birthday Nothing better Than turning on The Facebook On your birthday And, and seeing a bunch Of people saying Yo brother What's up Happy birthday
1: It is, and I've told you my secret about birthdays. You did? Yes. If I see it's your birthday on Facebook and I can't muster up the energy to click and wish you a happy one, I'm unfriended. I guess that's a good plan. It is. I I mean, honestly, think about it, right? If you can't bother to click on a happy birthday button that they're pretty much feeding you when you open up Facebook... It, it means you really shouldn't be friends with them on, on the on the platform.
0: Well, I have not encountered anyone that I could not muster the the gumption to say happy birthday. Even That's people you're I a, don't a know. Good person, I, I, I don't know about that. I just like to spread joy. I guess that does that yeah. make me a good person? Okay. Then.
2: Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Totally, right. you're a good friend. Sure.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you're full of shit. You're a great person, so that's that's while we're friends.
1: So I love you. Although life's uh, too short to spend as much time as I do with your ass. If you're a bad person,
0: the uh, <laughs> I, I think it was David Milburn. I'm pretty sure it was David Milburn that tagged me on a video
1: about killing the radio star.
0: No, about why modern art is bad, and hmm. the vi- the video infuriated me, incensed. St- I, incensed. I, I was know? I was borderline rage.
3: Oh, yeah, I did see that. Wow. And
0: I said, okay, I'm going to use this constructively. I took the video, showed it to my class, mm-hmm. and they pretty much felt the same way.
3: Oh. As, as you? or As you were doing As As I did, yes. They felt oh, okay. the same
0: way about the video, about the comments made in the video, okay. as I felt. And okay, it, okay. it basically was a, you know, modern art is not in the same vein as the classic art where... And he goes into this whole big bullshit that art is supposed to uplift and inspire and it's supposed to be um beautiful, all of which it can be, but it doesn't have to be. And the criteria was modern art is not that, so therefore modern art is bad. And it just it just man, I was I was the old cartoon with the smoke coming out of the ears and out of my nose, my eyes were all red. Yeah. So I brought it, and, and we, we had a nice little discussion about it. So David Milburn, I would like to say thank you for posting that. You did me nice. a solid, because it got some dialogue going.
2: There and you
0: here's go. Here's even more dialogue. What? This, my friends, is 11 O'Clock Comics, episode 530, and I am Vince B.
3: Ooh, I like it. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price.
1: Yes, you are. And say welcome, world, because I am Jacob Bartafree. free Oof. But you're not Jacob Bartafree. free How do you know?
0: You're Jason Butterface. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) cool. You're
3: not.
2: You're
0: not.
3: (laughs) He cracked himself up.
0: You're not Jacob Butterfree. You're Jason (laughs) Wood.
1: Dude, you don't even know who I'm talking about, do you?
0: One of my bestest friends in the entire universe.
1: No, but you don't even know who I introduce myself as, do you? Does it matter? It should matter. It's right up your fucking alley.
0: Why? What did I miss?
1: Jacob Barda-Free.
0: Oh, I didn't read it. Well, that's on you. That is on Oh, okay. I'll remember that. (laughs) I will remember that. Hey, you guys read Slots? Oh, man, I'm not caught up. All right, then fuck it, because I'm going to talk about it. That's what I'm going to say.
1: Hey, man. Listen, it, I can I can deal with that reality. If you want to keep DAP on the show, you're gonna to have to. That's read what everything. I'm saying.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, but not really. See, I, I would defer to DAP because he's keeping oh. shit. But you you're just salt him mean. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so I, I'm taking it the child's name is Jacob.
3: Yes, that's nice. After which, you know, is, is a bit of a letdown considering all of the options that Scott was throwing his wife's way.
1: It's true. Scott was having a grand old time (laughs) with
3: the names. But Jacob, it's perfect.
1: Jacob. It is. It is. It is.
0: Because we all know that Mr. Kirby's name was Jacob.
1: True. Although in this case, they tied it directly into Jacob's ladder, which was the unreachable escape from Granny Goodness's pits.
0: That's the surface.
1: Oh no, exactly. It's multi layered. Yeah.
0: But as is everything in that frickin' book. And mm-hmm. we are we are talking about uh Tom King's Mr. Miracle and uh yes. Mitch uh Jared's. So you should read it. And but you're not the spawn of Scott Free and Big Barty. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Was it?
1: Yeah, I guess the the hideous face for radio, Jason Wood. Oh my goodness. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's so
1: cute. I'll just be Quasimodo next week, I guess.
0: Yeah, ring that bell. <laughs> what are we drinking, my buddies?
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> man, man.
0: Do I have to go first? You
3: can no. go first if you want.
0: I will. I mean, I, yeah, you go first. All right. Well, uh, Mario put a different spin on uh, the wine yes, that it. will not be named. <laughs> it is now the unknown, unloved, and unmourned wine. Um, and in case you haven't made it to the end of, well, no, it's, it was said far before the end of Cerebus. It is the Cerebus wine because it will pass into the netherworld alone, unknown, unloved, and unmourned. Yep. There you go. And somebody else recently gave me another bottle of wine and it's got no label on it. Like people can't give me meme brand shit. This. They, they say, hey, Cousin Jimbo made this. Try it. I'm like, okay, what's the name of it? I got to know the name because they're going to make fun of me if I don't know the name. He's like, there's no name. It's wine. Yikes. (laughs) Uh,
3: What you you drinking, Jason? I I am trying a new
1: new for me. A new for me beer. What's that? I think you would like it, Vince. Hmm. Samuel Adams. You got me. Bohemian Pilsner. You got me.
0: Yep anything sam adams i will gladly drink
1: yeah i you guys know i i mostly these craft beers that that have taken over the world i I feel i'm i love all my booze that are enjoying that that reality but i do not like ipas generally so i feel like i've been left left at the uh, curb of this new beer revolution but i um every now and then i come across a non-ipa that i haven't tasted and this uh this, yeah this looked intrigued me because I love lagers, I love Pilsners and uh so I bought a little twelve pack and it is freaking great it's exactly the kind of beer I like to drink excellent mm-hmm five percent oh. alcohol so not not huge but but not uh, not like a light beer either so
3: right nice
1: mm-hmm what about you king Dap?
3: um it is the uh one of my favorite old standbys now these days, it is the, uh, from Mato, it is the Backbone Cabernet Sauvignon. Nice.
0: And you can hoist those glasses way up high while you're saving tons of money on your favorite comic books and collectibles. Because, my bad, I forgot who sponsored this whole shindig. It's Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Mm-hmm. One more time for the people way back in the cheap seats. DCBService.com where you can get all your funny books for a fraction of the cover price such as a lot of big doings this month and I will list them in the order Amazing Spider-Man 800 what? it is a $10 book it's a $10 comic book but it's 100 pages so that kind of makes it alright But you're not going to pay $10 for it. Why? Because DCBService.com treats their people well. And you are going to pay half that. $4.99 for a 100-page comic book. It's like getting a trade for 5 bucks. Plus, it's Dan Slott's last issue on Amazing. Um, I wish him well, but it's time for new people.
1: You, you wish him well, but you won't be following him to his new destination.
0: No, I think I will. Maybe. We'll see what he's on. If he's on Iron Man, then no. I'm not going to follow on. him.
1: Is he really?
2: Yeah.
0: Oh, then no. I'm not going to follow <laughs> him. Uh, across the street, DC Nation, number zero, 25 cents. But that's not what you're going to pay. You're going to pay half that, 12 cents, for a glimpse at Brian Michael Bendis' Superman with Jose... Luis Garcia Lopez. Actually, specifically, it's Man of Steel. So the very first outing, Bendis on Superman. You're going to be able to get a bird's eye view in this book, among other things. Tom King is associated with this book. Uh, Batman, Catwoman, it's all over the place. DC Nation, you got to get it, 12 cents. And last, but certainly not least, at least not in my heart, it is Red Sonia and Tarzan from Dynamite bunch of different covers. Uh, the one I am highlighting here is by Adam Hughes. It's a three ninety nine comic written by Gail Simone. Art by Walter Giovanni. You will be able to take this home to your very own jungle pad for $1.99. DCBService.com. Do not mind late orders or order editions, and you get your books all wrapped up, kissed, and shipped right to your home. Ding dong. Like I say, hey, my books are here. Right outside, bringing them in. I'm gonna have a good time. Yep. They do kiss every package on the way out the door. Oh, they do. I'm sure of it. They do. Yep. 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 They absolutely do. Okay. Nice. Good.
2: Do
1: yes. we,
0: we have thank yous.
1: We do, and we have a a correction to to make. Well, I have a correction. What'd it be? Well, we we spoke for. A decent amount of time last week, lovingly I would say, positively at least, if not yeah. lovingly, about Vampironica number 1. Oh, yes. Yeah. We all read it, we all talked about it, we spoke on it, and we came away saying it was worth, worth the read and worth keeping up with. True that. And we also spoke about how we were uh, pulled into the comic uh, in no small part because it was uh, drawn and co-written by uh, friend and, and uh, EOC community member Greg Smallwood. Um, but I, uh, I made a, a somewhat, uh, embarrassing error in describing the writing partner of, uh, Greg, Megan Smallwood. I presumed quite, quite incorrectly that Megan was his wife. Hmm. And I assumed that because, you know, we've got husband and wife pairings of, uh, like Gabriel and karina and uh, and and fraction and, and Kelly Sue, and it just it just felt like it was husband and wife, but I was wrong, and they were very polite to hit me back because they listened they listened to the episode and they hit hit me back and said "Thanks so much for the for the love that you all gave the book, um, but just FYI uh, Megan is Greg's sister. So, apologies for that for that misconception. But yes, Megan Smallwood is Greg's sister, not his wife. So, last so,
0: week was Star Wars, and this week is Empire Strikes Back.
1: Um,
0: Get it? Because, hmm. like, Luke and Leia were all kissy face. Uh-huh, in first, uh-huh I and see. Then, uh-huh.
1: Uh-uh, all right,
3: uh-huh. all right, I got you. Uh, no, but, that's a, no. Last week was Empire, and. This week is Return of the Return Jedi. Return of the Jedi. There we go. All right. There we go. Because she kissed uh, him at the end of Empire and right, okay.
1: Oh, so, she did? did? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So Greg also wanted to throw a few comments back our way because he did listen. Excellent. So he said that, uh, first of all, he was glad he, we dug it. Um, but he said he was totally with us regarding the brevity of the comic. Meg and he both realized the first issue was a bit too quick of a read when they were done. So they went back and beefed up scripts for the subsequent issues in order to slow the reader uh, down. So, uh, so constructive criticism was uh, was agreed upon by the creators. And then uh, Greg said uh, regarding your critique, minor critique, Vince, about the tone uh, lacking a little bit of dread or horror versus the other Archie books. He said, "You're right." Uh, Meg and and uh, Greg wrote the first draft. He said was more in line with Salem's Lot. Mm. Uh, slow burn with much more killing and gore, but the folks at Archie uh, asked them to change the approach a bit. They wanted more of a little bit of more of an actiony, letter hearted approach. So he said, "I was right that it's definitely going to lead more toward a, uh, a a Buffy vibe than a Sabrina vibe." But he he thinks there'll be enough body horror uh, <laughs> in the uh, subsequent issues to appeal to you, Vince. So
0: it appeals to me already. So
1: oh, and 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 last but not least. He said that, because um, we called out how, how good uh, uh, Cheryl Blossom looked in the issue, and he said there is a, Cheryl is the major focus of the entire second arc of their mm-hmm. run. Sweet. So, so that's pretty cool. I love it when creators chime in. That's right. Especially, well, especially if we're not hating on their book. But we mm-hmm. don't hate on many books. No, we
0: rarely do. We rarely and do. I don't think Greg Land listens anyway. So, <laughs> If he did, I he's know, a funny. glutton for punishment.
1: It's funny you bring that up. Why? Well, listen, everybody except for my co-hosts know how important it is to me that this Domino comic exists. And <laughs> <So cute. laughs> as a result, every time there's anything Domino related on the interwebs, it's very flattering that I get deluged by people with it, assuming that I haven't seen it. Hey, would well, you see this? Check this out. And it's very, it's from, it's, it's from a good place. Everybody's doing this from a good place. But because of the new comic I'm getting quite a few hey, take a look at this every time we see a new Greg Land cover for the book. We've seen three three of them so far. And uh I, I gotta say, man. Stop it. <laughs> it's it's not a good look. It's not a good look. The cover to three is Outlaw, Dom, and someone else I couldn't quite make out when I saw the picture. Uh in a car, you know, three girls on the road type of thing, Thelma and Louise type of vibe and i am not exaggerating all three have the exact same face.
0: Oh, it's just sad. the same face.
1: Sad. But that is the only part of that comic book i'm not incredibly excited about. Right. David Baldion, come on. Come on, son. Seriously. Dude, David Baldion gave Domino a pet pug or could be a bulldog, i don't know, bulldog or pug, <laughs> some creature of that ilk with a patch for an eye. Nice.
0: It's pretty smart, right?
1: Yes. He's just giving his ideas maybe away. Maybe that'll get David to read the book. I don't
0: know.
3: He's adorable. You know, I think, I know we've <laughs> we, we've joked about it, but maybe I really should do an unboxing video that month when the book comes in. Oh yes. boy,
0: Do it. I'll do an unboxing video, too. I'll open up my DCBS box. i be like, oh, uh, there ain't no domino in here. <laughs> don't know why. Oh, yeah, I do. I didn't get it. <laughs>
1: He is taking. so, takes so much so much clean, joy. It really is messed up. Damn. Lo- it's tweets like it. this, and I think to myself, "All right, I must have done something to piss Vince off." You never do.
0: You, you, I believe me. If you did something to piss me <laughs> off, I would hit you up with it. Too sweet. All right, so, I got a, I got a package in the mail today, just today. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. And it, it comes with a letter, which is on paper, as most letters are. <laughs> this is, uh, dear Vince B. I am a long-time listener to your podcast, 11 O'Clock Comics. It's mine. Um, yeah, I, I, not nice. I, I wasn't <laughs> going to comment on that. But no, I, no, wait. It get, you guys get your due at the end. I, oh, enjo- nice. I, I enjoy... I enjoy. I love
1: your sidekicks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right.
0: <laughs> your monkeys. They had it, Jerome and Dudley. Where's my <laughs> organ? Did, did, did it, did. No, come on. Just play it straight. I enjoy hearing Jason, David, and you waxing eloquently over books and shows. I want to say thank you. Now about this package. Mm -hmm. I was clearing out my collection of books when I came across these issues of Dinosaurs for Hire. I immediately thought of you, how much you enjoy comics that are fun. So I decided to send you them as a random act of kindness. And he has, Uh now listen, he has random act and kindness capitalized. And then he says, a.k.a. a rack package. This is a new thing. A rack package. Random act of kindness. I
2: love Ah. it. Yeah.
0: I am not on Facebook or on Patreon. Uh, I am just a Midwest guy that enjoys the show. Perhaps Mm -hmm. someday I will run into you at a con and shake your hand and say thanks um, for the hours of entertainment that you, Jason, and Dapp have given me. So there you go. Sincerely, Matthew Downs. uh, And he gives me his email here and... Um, he had some a little bit of trouble getting my my address, but awesome, And you know what i 've been buying comics a long time. Mm-hmm. I do not have dinosaurs for hire. No and kidding. i don 't. From Malibu. No. And he sent me issues um, now this is the color ones. So it was this is about what 92, 93, once they got to color, he sent me issues one to nine. And I was, I was paging through them. Tom Mason is a bastard. He could draw oh. like a bitch. Uh, this is the first time I've, I've actually seen the interiors of Dinosaurs for Hire. How does something be a big old blank spot after all these years? I don't know, but it happened. And Jason, I think you would like this. It's sexy as hell.
1: I've heard good things of it.
0: There's women running around in basically nothing. Ah, women's with, with talking dinosaurs. I love the women's. I'm I'm going to read this for next week. So. Uh, oh, okay. Oh no, I'm not. <laughs> this is the book of the month, right?
1: No, well, we, no. There's two episodes. We are having guest patrons. Thanks to the patrons, we're going to have two episodes next week.
0: Oh, okay.
1: We have um, a very special guest who may have in fact read this book or would enjoy it because he too loves the women's. He does.
0: So thank you, Matthew. Matthew Downs, you're the best.
1: That's very nice. It is very nice. It's awesome. Absolutely. Yeah, for yes. sure. Agreed. Oh, show. Oh, I, Dap, did I, I know you talked about the Why Not love, but did I, did I shout out Why Not
3: last week? I can't remember. Uh, I don't think you did. No, because I think, did I not, I think yours came the next day because you were asking about, um,
1: okay. Yeah. I, I, I was sure. Page I on. mean, I, I thanked him directly for this but but i just wanted to echo much like dap uh and and vince um and it was vince that uh was the impetus for this even though dap tried to give me the credit um we all after enjoying grave Transfers quite a bit uh vince uncharacteristically reached out to acquire some oa because he never uh shows much interest in that and that led to dap and i partaking and uh when I was trying to figure out what I would get, why not to draw for uh, for his commission, we were riffing back and forth. And I don't remember how we got there. It was circuitous. But somehow or another, we got to the fact that um, Moby Dick is his favorite novel. And uh, as some of you may know, it is one of my favorite novels. And I have recently undertaken Moby Dick as a commission theme. So he hooked me up with a killer Moby Dick piece. The amount of line work in this thing is... Baffling. It's, it feels like it must have taken him forty hours to to do, but it's it's awesome and uh, and much like DAP, I wanted to thank him, and he also included an extra bonus page, which uh, in my case it was a character, a full figure eleven by seventeen drawing, uh, and I I didn't recognize which of his comics it was from. I, I asked him, and he actually said it was a just a drawing he had done uh, for his own pleasure. He just uh, it was just a character he he drew up. Um, so it's a personal commission. And then I also was given copies of, uh, of the first two issues of Grave, uh, of Grave Ranters. So um, thank you so much. It's awesome. I love it. He's it'll go up on CAF. It'll go up on CAF soon. I've been, um, I've been building up a little, little pile of stuff I need to get around to scanning and putting up there. So,
3: yeah. Damn. You just reminded me. I even had the scanner open today too. See I that? should scan it then. Damn it. All right. I'll do it
1: this week. Yes, sir. I have
0: an original art threshold that needs to be met before I will plunge. Okay. Why not appears on the other side of my threshold. He just, I have to have his stuff. Mm-hmm. There are very few, very, very few artists that I will. I love all kinds of art, right? I'm, I'm, the, the amount of artists that I love far outnumbers the, the minuscule amount that I don't. So it's not a, 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 a a case of not loving the art, it's just that there are some guys that are in the quantum league. Mm-hmm. And and why not in there?
1: Yes. And I believe
3: he will be at heroes, right? Yay. Right, Dad? Yes. Yes, he will be. um. Yes. Yeah, he did tell us that. Because mm-hmm. yeah, because then we were talking to uh Cliff and Justin and Vander. And yeah, so we have the, the heroes uh options and activities and, and plans as far especially as far as art goes, have uh they've been set in motion. So I am so looking forward to that. Oh, we you can. know it. You know this. Cool. Yeah, I think Vince is too. <laughs> what? Looking forward to Heroes Weekend. Oh, hell yeah. For Rizzle. You know it.
0: Best weekend of the year. Best damn con of the year.
1: Mm. I think I'm with you.
0: Yeah. Jason. Yes? I have some Deadpool.
1: You have some Deadpool? I
0: have some Deadpool read for this week.
1: Oh, nice. Okay, speak on it.
0: But it's not specific. It is Deadpool, but it's not... It doesn't take place in a book with that... Deadpool title. Great. Okay. All right. Um, as uh, you guys know, but maybe the people playing at home do not, I am in the process of bagging stacks and stacks and stacks of books that I, I negligently let pile up. And um, every so often um, one comes across the, the little desk here that I bag on that I say to myself, I'm going to read that again because that was damn good. And um, a trio of books, wouldn't you know it, popped up. The first one is World War Hulks Classified. Mm-hmm. Now I think you guys will agree with me that the um, that whole era, Planet Hulk, uh, World War Hulks, Follow the Hulks, that was pretty much the modern Golden Age for the Hulk. Oh, yeah. I mean, Planet Hulk was... Yeah, I mean, and it all spiraled into each, each into each other. You, you couldn't have had World War Hulks without Planet Hulk, right? It, right. It, that, right. This, it was this grand, yeah. um, overarching storyline that was mm-hmm. long and amazing, and it beefed up the Hulk family immeasurably. Um, and this was an anthology that kind of started off the whole World War Hulks... Storyline. I, I don't want to get into the whole thing. There there's a bunch of stories in here. Um, written by you know Jeff Parker. We got Scott Reed, Paul Tobin, Harrison Wilcox. The one I really want to talk about is called Stupid Champagne Room. Mm-hmm. And it features Deadpool. Written by Jeff Parker. The art is by Ig Guara. And Chris Sotomayor is the colorist. Starts off in typical Deadpool fashion. Mm-hmm. He's at a strip club. And he runs a $30,000 tab.
1: Sounds like a typical night at the club.
0: Yeah. And and he can't pay it. He doesn't have the scratch to cover it.
1: Well, you got to have a Skrilla.
0: So he, uh, he does a strip and dash, I guess, or a gawk <laughs> and dash. And he leaves amidst a hail of bullets. Um, and he's like, Damn, what am I gonna do? I gotta I I need thirty thousand dollars or this, this mob family's never gonna leave me alone. Uh so he remembers that Thunderbolt Ross, who now is the Red Hulk, sorry if that's a spoiler, but you should have been reading it. <laughs> um Thunder uh Red Hulk owes him some money for for a, a favor that he did. Um probably back during the uh the whole Red She-Hulk, Domino, um, the beginning of the the Red Hulk issues, or just it was just called Hulk then. Um, so Thunderbolt Ross says, "Okay, all right, I make you a deal. I will give you not only the thirty thousand dollars that you need. I'll give you ten times that amount. I'll give you three hundred thousand dollars if you accompany me." On a job. Deadpool's like, okay. It's, that sounds good to me. Um, was it $300? I mean, the, the money's not important, but he, a lot more than he needs. If, if you um, accompany me on a job, and what Banner, or Ross wants to do is he wants to infiltrate the intelligentsia's helicarrier. Nice. Yeah. And he puts Deadpool in a duffel bag to do so <laughs> but um, when the, the uh, proverbial poop drops as it usually does when Deadpool's involved um, Deadpool is fighting th- um, Samson and a giant tube of gamma irradiated water spills
2: all over Deadpool
0: And turns him into Hulkpool. Yes, Hulkpool. And Hulkpool does not like his old self, Deadpool. So Hmm. who does he run into before he uh, gets out of the helicarrier? Bob. Hydra Bob. Who now works for AIM. So it's AIM Bob. And AIM was paying better. So, Bob now works for AIM, and Deadpool is like, hey, you know, hey I know, buddy, come on, come with me. He, Deadpool wants to kill himself because he doesn't like his old self. So, he wants to go back in time and kill his previous self because he kills, and see, Hulkpool doesn't kill. He's nice. And the only way to do that is to have a time traveling device. And wouldn't you know it, they know where Dr. Doom's time platform is. So they steal the time platform and that leads into the two issues that I really wanted to talk about, Hulked Out Heroes. Any of you guys have read this when it came out? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. These issues are phenomenal. Again, written by where's the credits? Jeff Parker but the art is by Umberto Ramos and Carlos Cuevas on inks Edgar Delgado's is a colorist. This, I mean, Jeff Parker has never failed to entertain me. I love his books. He had a killer run on Hulk with Gabriel Hardman. That was just amazing. Um, so Deadpool and Bob have the time platform. And Bob really doesn't know how to use it. He's just guessing. So he sends uh, Hulkpool back in time. It doesn't really have to be a... a a long distance just before he became Hulkpool in order to kill his previous self, which would probably create a whole bunch of time paradoxes, but they're not really considering that. He sends them back too far. He sends them all the way back to the events of Fantastic Four number 5. Remember when Dr. Doom kind of forced the Fantastic Four to go back in time and Ben became Blackbeard the pirate? Yes. Deadpool manifests on Thing Beard's boat, ship. And it gets worse from there. There's a point in the story where they're attacked by a a giant leviathan. And in order to help out, Bob activates the time portal and pulls out Devil Dinosaur. (laughs) Mm-hmm. De- Devil Dinosaur rips the Leviathan to shreds, but that's not the end of it because all the little moon boy people come with him and they create a, a religion and it just screws with the entire Mar- Marvel Universe. Uh, Avengers Forever is showcased. Hawkeye is shooting with the two gun kid and Devil Dinosaur and and Hulkpool pop in and the thing is there and it just goes on from there. To the point where Bucky was on the rocket. I mean, everything in the Marvel Universe is screwed with. And irrevocably, Hulkpool um, interrupts the uh, Gamma Blast, which turned Bruce Banner into the Hulk, which really should create an a, a extremely bad paradox, but it doesn't. He saves um, Matt Murdock from being dumped with the goo from the 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 truck he um stops the fantastic four from being uh belted by cosmic radiation it's just like everything that could go wrong that would stop all of the marvel universe heroes from being created happens Mm -hmm. it's this book was so much fun yeah i I, and and on the icing on the cake i mean the story's awesome enough but the real icing on the cake is umberto Ramos's art he's just phenomenal and um, in case you're planning on reading this, this is just a way station. It really doesn't even factor into the story mm-hmm. of of uh, World War Hulks. Yeah, it, it's yeah, just a it's an aside, for, a two issue aside that was a hell of a lot of fun. Really doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things, but it increases your enjoyment of the event immeasurably. This is a tie in mm-hmm. that I didn't really mind spending three dollars a pop on because it was fun you know nice and and uh it's called hulked out heroes but all of the the heroes that are later hulked out don't appear in the book like the thor and the the uh, i forget the code names that they adopted after it was ice hulk and um namor the hulk mariner um the angry spider-man um i thor turned into a hulk so did captain america it was, it was just a hell of a lot of fun none of them appear in this story <laughs> but it's fun right that's what it's about yeah 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 i i loved it
1: now what brought you to this uh rabbit hole like why read this now
0: about... <laughs> <laughs> that's what i said It just popped up on the stack as i was bagging books
1: there was, so it was literally there was, just a
0: it just was pushed under my nose by Crazy. by fate um
1: I asked because I know you said that, but it's the idea that, let's be honest, there were probably dozens, if not hundreds of books during this process that just popped up.
0: Yeah, well, I got more of them.
1: I see. Yeah. Ah, there yeah. we go.
0: I got more. Of them, but I don't know. Come on. You know me. Mm-hmm. If if you push a Hulk book under my nose, yeah, I'm going to think twice about rereading it. But mm-hmm. if it's as silly and as fun as Hulked Out Heroes, like I'm sunk. I have yeah. to read
1: it again. You know, I'm glad you brought up uh, Deadpool because I, I haven't. I've been looking for a little m- moment of transition relative to something about Deadpool for a few weeks, and you've just given it to me. Um,
0: You're welcome.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. I a few DCBS shipments ago received the hardcover uh, for the Spider-Man Deadpool uh, by the deluxe hardcover by uh, Joe Kelly and Ed McGinnis um which reprinted the uh first 12 issues of the oh, series what
0: I wanted to order that
1: oh you can have my copy um uh oh no and 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 I so listen um I I'm on listen I'm on the record of as, as a big Deadpool fan and certainly I would not be the Deadpool fan I am were it not for Joe Kelly's original run uh on the character so it stands to reason that when it was announced that he and Joe McGinnis, uh, when Joe and Ed McGinnis were getting back together to do Deadpool again, only this time part uh, partnered up with Spidey, that it would have been pretty much a grand slam for me. But I have to say it veered into the range of the Deadpool that I do not care for. Um, As I've said many times on the show, people assume because they think of me as a huge Deadpool fan that I just love everything about the character. And yet more Deadpool comics than not are are not entertaining to me, and this reading this hardcover gave me the exclamation point for what the line in the sand is. You can't have a Deadpool run without humor. He, that is central to the character. However, not only is humor subjective, but I don't think it's necessarily the subjectivity of the humor that the writer's putting. Behind Deadpool, it's the frequency of the humor. And I think that Spider-Man, Deadpool, as they go along, settles down. But the first arc is, to my mind, near unreadable. Because Deadpool is a funny character. Spider-Man often is humorous. And I think people can write him as jokey when they want to. Although I don't think that's his best form. I think he should always be quipping. Be I mean, that's part of his charm when he's fighting. But, but when you put Spider-Man and Deadpool together in this setting, that first arc is a joke every panel. Mm. And it's exhausting. Because it's like they're both trying so hard to be funny. And Kelly's amping up Spider-Man to the uber jokey level of Spider-Man. And he's making Deadpool, the uber-jokey version of Deadpool. And it's just joke after joke after joke. And it just feels like they're trying way too hard. Right. So I felt like the first arc was a serious labor. Now, again, um, the series does get better. Because I, I didn't read the first 12 issues. They stacked up on my regime. So I actually ended up double dipping on this. But, but then I think something made me jump in like in the third arc, I don't remember why I jumped right into it, but I did. Maybe it was the, I can't remember what prompted me to jump in, but I did. And I thought that the, the last arc they did together was, was good. It was good. It was definitely a little more balanced, a little more action. So it's all cool. But yeah, for me, it's like you you, you gotta, it can't just be all joke. You know what I mean? And it can't be a hundred percent funny. I don't know. It's just, it feels too one note.
0: So you're saying that there's a very delicate equation
1: It is. I think, I think, I mean, for me, I suspect too, I'm probably more lenient on that front because let's be honest, a lot of people can't stand Deadpool, I think, because he's a humorous character, right? Right. Um, Yeah. I mean, for like, for my money among superhero worlds these days, it was a huge, hugely sad um, moment recently when Jimmy and Amanda ended their run on Harley. Because that's been a book that almost every issue is outright a humor book, but strikes just the right chord for me. Like it's right up against the line, but it never got annoying to me. You know, um, and I'm sure everyone's mileage may vary. Uh, it, I'm I'm sure other people love love when Deadpool's over the top and and hardly annoyed them. I, I'm sure it's very much subjective, but for me, like I, I just think that there is a line, and and the the Spidey Deadpool, at least the first the first arc, just. Just went way past, way past that uh, that line.
0: Art's got to be great, though, right?
1: It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. I, yeah, actually, I own a page from that run before I, I bought the page before had, having read the the comic. I purchased it um, probably like a year year and a half ago when uh, when we saw uh, Mike at uh, at one of the cons. That's so. right. Yep. yep. Deadpool, Deadpool always quiet.
0: makes me laugh, though. He does always. Really, it always makes me laugh. Yeah. I don't know why. It it and it But you also read them sporadically. Oh, yes, far less frequently than you do. Yeah. Right. It takes a little bit of sugar to get me to read Deadpool. Like mm-hmm. I I don't I won't pick it up unless there's a Spider Man connection or a Hulk connection. Mm-hmm. Or but that said, that's gonna change. Because I will be reading Deadpool every oh. month.
1: Because our boy Scotty's doing it. Because Scotty's really. doing it. Yeah, yes.
0: that's that's a, a huge lump of sugar to get me For to sure. read Deadpool.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But it, I mean, it's not it's not much of a push. I, I like the character. It's just that I don't. Mm-hmm. I just don't have as great an experience with him as you do. But I've always sure. been pleased every time I read it.
1: Him. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I like when you dig into crates, it always makes you happy.
0: Oh, that's all I did. <laughs> I got I have many. Many examples of that this week. Many. Yep. So what do you got? Either of you.
3: Oh know. man. Um Well, as Jason mentioned, uh, Mr. Miracle number seven uh, came out last week. And there, there's a. Um, not so much about this particular issue, but uh, as we all know, we've all experienced it firsthand. Life happens. And uh, Mitch had announced um, on Twitter that due to life happening that there would be a bit of a delay i believe between nine and ten um but they he 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 needs some extra time to to get the issues done and this um and then i noticed that our good friend declan shall we he, he mentioned that uh when it comes to artists and runs and and works that uh, mean a lot to them or that he may uh, even consider these runs are primarily so lovingly thought of because of the artist and the examples he gave were uh, Somni's Black Widow with written by Mark Wade and Mr. Miracle by Mitch and of course Tom um, and then a couple of people Wait, there was a slight small discussion about it on, on Facebook. And it's one of those things where I find it really does depend on, on the subject matter, on the story on it. Cause it's yes. For, for black widow, for those nine, 12 issues that, that Wade, that Mark and Chris did. Yes. That's, that is one creative vision. I wouldn't want, I mean, if it went on for 25 issues and, uh, we knew that there were going to be a couple of issues that weren't so tied into to the overall story, then that's one thing. But uh, if if you're looking at a, a short-ish run, then yes, I, I would... It, same thing happened with Civil War. That was delayed. I mean, it, it's consistent. It, it looks the same. I mean, once you reread, if you decide to reread those seven issues or you read the trade, you're not going to... You don't know when those issues came out, if there was a delay or not, and and but at least from cover to cover, it looks the same. Um, but then you have an issue, you have a series like Amazing Spider-Man, and and slots the main writer on it, but you'll get those couple of issues by Hawthorne. So this way Stewart can concentrate on on the bigger arcs. So at least the arcs are are broken up, even though it's an ongoing series. And oh, I was so disappointed because I thought I was going to get Stewart on most of this, and you know, well again not everybody is as fast as they used to be and, and, uh, life happens, but, um, how I know we've, this is something that kind of comes up every so often and, and how we feel about, you know, with delays or, or not, or artists being pulled or us feeling like, you know, they, they pulled the okie doke on us. And, you know, we, we promised, we, we thought we were getting, you know, five, six issues of, um, of anybody of 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 umberto on a series and and we got three you know it's like so so do you feel but where how do you guys where obviously comic books are a visual medium and and for a lot of people it is the artist that cause them to buy it or stick with it um but knowing mitch's situation is, is might might color it a bit but how do you guys feel about um having a, a art change. Um, not so much, yes, in mid-story or um, depending on the arc. Um, hmm.
1: Well, I think it totally depends. I don't want to not give you a direct Which answer. Which is what but I
3: said, yeah, no. Yeah, I,
1: I, mean, I mean, relative to the discussion at hand that was in the Facebooks from their comments, uh I believe in that in the in the in the post in the thread I said that, that my opinion on this has largely changed over the years where I mean when I when for a good chunk of, of fandom when there was still a lot of mental value to reading the comic as it hit the stands and there was a perception that we had to be up to date, we had to be current so as not to fall out of the conversation. Uh, And then also the idea of things being tied into a continuity. Uh, I definitely would get bent out of shape when books would get delayed. Uh, That would irk me. Um, But because of my own habits and the way that I consume comics, changing so dramatically since then, where there really is no rhyme or reason to the how and when I read comics. We certainly still read plenty of comics as they hit the stands. Heck, we, we talk about a few every week. Um, but it's not as though we have to. Uh, it's it's not that I'm doing it because I'm worried that I'm going to miss out on the opportunity to discuss it or that I'm, I need to stay current so that there's no spoilers in other books. I, I just read comics now when I feel like reading them. And often that comes... These days, more, than, more often than not, that comes many months after they are published. And so at this point, I 100% am with Declan's view that if I have the choice, not that we do, but if, if I were suddenly given the power of being editor-in-chief, I would absolutely choose almost every time to let the writer and artists involved in the initial making of the story The time they need to complete the story uh, so that when I do read it or when I go back and read it or when I get the collected edition, it is one singular unified voice of one team. Um, So that's definitely my preference. Now, that said, though, I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. There are plenty of things, especially, I think, with big two comics now, where because they're putting them out biweekly, quite often now we get alternating arcs, if not alternating issues. And I'm fine with that. If I know what that's what I'm getting, in, getting at Jump. Um, and I think there, it's just a matter of crafting the visual narrative or the story to make sense of that. So, like, when Wonder Woman was alternating between uh, Nicola and... Um, oh, uh, Liam. Liam Sharp. Liam Sharp. Um, they were smart in that every other issue was a different timeline. So Liam, Liam, Liam's stuff was one continuous timeline... And Nicola's was one continuous timeline or like when we're getting by two weekly, biweekly or bi-monthly stuff in sometimes in other ways, they'll just have, uh, it'll be the same arc, but they'll have one artist do a couple issues, get them in a can and then we'll, and they'll have the other artist a couple issues. So I'm fine as long as it's carefully curated and it's not jarring. So the only time I think I'm really bothered by it these days is when it's just a huge visual departure. Um, And and by that, I mean where an artist that we bought into because we're really excited about the pairing with the writer um, is replaced by an artist that just doesn't have the same visual identity or the same level of um, expertise. And so it feels inherently like a letdown. But I don't think that happens, at least not that I can think of offhand too often these days for me. Um, So, yeah, net net, I'm, I'm pretty fine with it these days if it means that um, we're gonna get like when when the thing that's sitting on my bookshelf that we go back into a book of the month of in two thousand and nineteen uh, that it's it's that it's the one intended partnership between the original creators that that that's my preference if I have to say
0: nice. Okay. How about you? Vince? I'm of two minds on this, mm-hmm. and on the business side of things, which admittedly that's not where my mind resides, but. If I had to wear that hat, I would make sure that if we are telling a six-issue story with a certain creative team, I would Mm -hmm. make sure that at least three of them, three of those issues were done. Or I would give the the team a lead time long enough to complete the thing before it was even – like, Marvel and DC have money. Why can't you pay the creators to get the job done and then publish it. Mhm. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, and and
0: I agree with you. I would never have removed um say Mitch from Mr. Miracle just to get an issue out. I wouldn't right. I would not have removed um Dave Gibbons from Watchmen to get an issue right. out right. or right, right, or right, right. or Walter from Division like that is
3: Although there was there was that one issue
0: that uh Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that fit in with the storyline. Exactly. They they, they wove it into the narrative out of necessity. But so, all right, bad example. But so, yes, it is a business and these things need to come out, you know, when they're solicited. I get it. But the other part of my brain, and it's the one that's in control, is kind of sickened by the fact that, we've become a culture that demands entertainment when they when they want it mm-hmm. you know and and we've learned that lesson from doing this show our numbers have have steadily risen because we've established a pattern of getting it out at a certain time every week without fail for almost 10 years correct right um i understand that but this is not Comics are not what we do. We sit down in front of a bunch of microphones and blast out a couple hours of dialogue. That's relatively easy in comparison to what the writers and the artists are doing on comics. It takes time. So I am of the mind where give them as much time as they need. Mm -hmm. If Mitch needs three months between an issue, give it to him. All that matters is the final product. Right. That 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 beginning, middle, and end writ large. Like I don't care if issue seven is late. It doesn't matter because it's only a fraction of the whole. When you, when you pull back and look at the whole, like Dap said, nobody's going to give a damn in five years that issue seven was late. When it when when you have this landmark vision by a creative team that is putting a a revolutionary spin on let's be honest i it hurts my heart but mr miracle is like a third stringer right i love the Mm -hmm. character but you know no big shakes right you mean just
1: commercial you mean commercially yeah yeah Yeah.
0: and he turned it into this artistically sound financially robust series Mm -hmm. that you know he's, he's opening a ton of eyes with this book Right. So yeah, give them mm-hmm. the breathing space to to finish it. It just makes sense, but I know that's not how publishing works, right? right. Well, I mean, in, I mean, in, in, no, go ahead.
3: In in Mister Miracle's case, it's not like it's not spinning out of the pages of metal or whatever else is right, coming out right, right. next may not be yeah, hinging yeah. on. I mean, Civil War is a little different story, but but please continue. I didn't mean to cut you off.
0: No, I think the poster child for whenever I damn well feel like it is Eric Larson. And we, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, yeah, he's my go-to guy. Savage Dragon is not a monthly book. It is on the books, but it doesn't come out every month. There, There's some time, I think there was one stretch where it was nine months between issues. Is that because, right? Yeah, because Eric was... Um,
1: well, because he was doing editor-in-chief?
0: Yeah, he was the big, he was a big dog and he didn't right. have time. Uh, and did it hurt the book? I don't know. Not creatively, it didn't. Financially, maybe. I mean, I don't think Eric is breaking 10,000 copies of Savage no. Dragon. But that's not the point. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's irrelevant to, to me as the art aficionado. A businessman, I may be like, Eric, what are you doing? But that's I'm not a businessman. So, you know, that's neither here nor there. But from a, a creative standpoint, take as much time as you need. I'll be there waiting for you.
2: Yeah.
0: I... I I I'm, I'm a, a grown ass man with a family and other concerns a job two jobs and <laughs> it, it, if far be it from me to demand my entertainment when I want it I mean mm-hmm. that I'm not of that culture I'm just I never was and and I will seek out work that I want to read or consume I guess that's a better yeah. way to put it
1: You know you you bring up um and I don't want to, I, I was before I jump into a tangent, Dap, did you wanna
3: finish up the thought? Um No no, I was just um since you did intro yourself um as the um as this new new god um mm-hmm. I just want to definitely reiterate that it is a um uh, it is as great as the sixth issue was with the conversation and, and them. Oh, my God, such a good just, issue. It, that was fantastic. Uh, this was, I think when this is collected <laughs> and, and you do read them in one clip after another, this is a, it's it's not a palate cleanser in any sense, but it I, I think it's just the pacing. I mean, not just the pacing in, in each issue, but the, the way Tom has it paced from issue to issue right uh i i'd I love the uh the ups and downs about it there's and and this is i mean there's still some there are obviously some conversations here between between mother and father and and uh and the nurses and just um having never experienced i mean i've i've sat in rooms because i've i'm an uncle i've 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 been around when when people have mm-hmm. um in waiting rooms and, and I definitely get that sense between even, even when there are are panels with absolutely nothing going on and Mitch just has to kind of draw Scott hanging out and waiting for something to happen and whether or not they should get the nurses. And there's a little bit of a scare at some point. So it's, it's, I, I would not be surprised if this particular issue, uh, would be art imitating life in Mitch's case. Uh,
0: Yeah, you're cutting out there buddy big time
1: really mhm i could hear him i didn't hear yeah. anything he said
3: wow so weird i could hear him perfectly per- okay good well hopefully the recording does um but between the two of them between Mitch and Tom i'm sure there's there is a lot of uh life experience that was is coming through these pages here but but seriously Folks, we've been talking about it for the past seven issues, but I think Mr. Miracle number seven is is absolutely a highlight of the series so far. I love six, but I I, I don't know what it is about seven that really just has me I read it and I flipped through it again, and I rarely do that with new books. So uh kudos, gentlemen.
0: Are there intestines in it?
3: There are no intestines.
2: No.
0: no.
3: Uh but there is there is an umbilical cord, Vince.
0: That looks the, like an intestine. There it is, does,
3: yes, it does. And there's a very scary moment involving one. And it's, it's a. Yes. Uh, I mean, even the side conversations. It's just, it's.
1: It's the Furies are in the waiting room.
3: And <laughs> and I absolutely love Lashina. I love the main cover. All of them. I, all four of them. All four of them. They they um the the Mitch's variant cover is Norman Rockwell esque, but the uh, the Darrington cover. Looks like it's, it's, it does not give anything away when it comes to the interior. It, it just because, uh, because they're the furies are there and they're, they're holding you have, you have Mr. Miracle's mask in one hand and Barda's helmet in the other. And it looks as though, you know, they just got done fighting our heroes. And, uh, mm-hmm. the, the, that discovery could not be. Further from the truth but it is it seven was a a solid solid issue so good stuff
0: Well, sheena could have cut that umbilical no problem (laughs) jason did you cut your kids umbilicals
1: um with colin yeah yeah i did not i I did the first time because it was sort of very like not spur of the moment but it all was a whirlwind it felt like and they kind of just like, oh, here, do, you know, do this, and then the other two, I was like, I'm good, yeah. I'll take care of that. <laughs> I, did
0: it. Yeah, I, I was that good all three it. times. Yeah, I was like, no, yeah. no yeah. get that fucking purple thing away from me. I don't <laughs> want to touch it.
1: <laughs> See, I'm surprised you wouldn't have been fascinated by that. I'm surprised um, you would have asked for it to be ground up and drank it like a protein shake.
0: No, well, you know, <laughs> the 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 first with Nina, they had this pan that all the stuff kind of.
1: You came out of
0: yeah, and yeah. the placenta was in there like a football, and I'm like, okay, I've pretty much seen all I want to see about childbirth. <laughs> <laughs> I am freaking done. <laughs> I could wear that as a hat. I'm not doing it. Get out of here. No, that's hysterical. So, what was the tangent that you wanted to go on?
1: Oh well, you were you know this this conversation in its own way gets to the the idea that fan means fanatic, and we have all at some point in our fanaticism for this or anything else that we're passionate about been the type of fan that presumes we are owed something for our fandom <laughs> in some way, shape or form. And we've yeah. all, we, everyone has their own, own things, their own way, or at least most of us do. Maybe Vince is above the fray, but, but um, I know I've certainly had moments where I've in retrospect, probably seemed petulant, in that I wanted something or felt I was deserving of something because I'm a fan of it. And, you know, like you say, with with, with age and, you know, the old progress, with age comes wisdom and all that good stuff. But I have become much more conscience in recent, conscious in recent years as we have done the show and gotten to know lots of creators and kind of understood their side of it. I've been more aware of that, and I also think the internet amps that up, which is not to say that there are... That that a larger percentage of fandom is presumptuous in that way, but I just think those that are we we see them now or we hear them off, more often than we would have otherwise. And another example that that struck that struck this week was that Jim Lee, the editor and uh, the are the co I guess he's the co CEO right the co CEO of uh, is he the co CEO no, co publisher co publisher thank you the co publisher of DC. Um, but of course, much better known to most as as one of the seminal artists of his generation, Jim doesn't do full commissions, pretty much ever because he's busy. And there is a convention, a comic book convention in Lake Como, Italy. Uh, I think it's in April, but it's it's coming up. It's, it's in a it's sometime soon, and it's it's a new convention, and the whole gimmick is that it's uh for rich people, it's—I think—it's fifteen hundred dollars to attend, <laughs> and they're limiting it to a thousand attendees. So it's basically for rich people to go and get art, basically. I don't about.
0: like it already.
1: No, <laughs> I figured. I figured. But but as part of that, Jim is attending. As part of that, he is offering six commission slots for full commission slots, and uh, with varying prices. But the high—the uh, the headline price, the high price was. Um, an 11 by 17 character of your choice for $15,000. Now, it would be ridiculous of me to say that and not acknowledge the reality that that is an incredible amount of money for anyone in any station in life. I don't care what you make a year or how much you got in the bank. That is a lot of money to spend on anything much less a piece of art much less a, a commission right i mean let's look, that is for sure i mean that's just a fact but where i struggled um because i'm a part of a bunch of different oa groups um hassan posted the the news in our in our group but but there it's been a discussion of you know the oa market has gone wild with this story this week and i have just cracked up and called a you know glanced aside at a lot of folks because i've seen so much anger about this from people. And and it just cracks me up because I think to what end are you angry because you can't afford it? I mean, we have no divine right to own a piece of art from any creator just because we adore them, right? Like there like we have absolutely zero claim to put, there's nothing the fates do not will us to own any of these things. We are not owed it because we like the person, right? Like it is not incumbent on Jim to price his time and his art to such a degree that everyone that professes to be a Jim Lee fan can own a piece of Jim Lee art. It's ridiculous to think so. And yet I'm seeing a lot of people just incredulous about this and how he's ruining the industry and all this sort of thing. And I just crack up because this is just basic economics people. I mean, it really is. And, 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 and I'm sorry if that bothers you, but if Jim has time to draw six commissions and that's what time he has and he probably doesn't even have time to do that, let's be honest, because he's he, he gets caught up in things and doesn't hit deadlines. But let's say he really sat down and said, I can do six commissions for this convention. He should charge whatever price he can get that equals six people wanting those commissions. Sure. It, he doesn't get any benefit from charging something where a thousand people want it because he's still going to just do six of them. And then there's going to be 994 people that are pissed that they didn't get picked. For the commission, oh, you're right? You're good at the math. Yeah, I know, right? But it just cracks me up, and it just it just felt similar to where we were going with the the conversation of DAP's question, which is that as fans, we're just so presumptuous sometimes. We are not owed anything nope. for our fandom. I
2: agree.
0: The
1: only thing we're owed as fans is something that we that is the consumption of the thing that we're a fan of, and we're not even owed that. But I mean, I'm saying like that's the that is the uh, the contract, right? Someone makes something to be consumed. We as a fan consume it that's it. That's all there is. We're, we're owed nothing more, nothing less, whether we enjoy it or not, whether we come back for more or not, what that, that is the end of it. That really is the end of the contract. Now, if you're in, if you're a creator looking to make a living by doing this repeatedly, you know, there gets to be more to it. You need to somehow pr- produce something that enough people will like that will keep you gainfully employed. But my point is, it's like, man, everyone needs to chill out because like, why, why are you in this in the first place? You know and uh yeah, so I just was, I don't know, it just kinda of seemed like it was all connected, the idea of 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 fandom and, and I think we we feel and I think comics is probably worse than a lot of other things because we do have a level of intimacy with the creators that we wouldn't have in other ways because of conventions and because of podcasts and because of social media. Most people that are hardcore comics fans feel like they're kind of in it, like it's a like we're all in the same boat, you know in the same dinghy, right? Like trying to right. keep the industry alive. So we feel a kinship and a connection with the creators in a way that that we aren't allowed to feel with, say, the musicians that we love or the TV and movie actors that we see um, because they're much more distant from us. They're more ethereal. Um, So I get it. Like I get the feeling of connectivity and the feeling of closeness, but that still doesn't mean that that they owe us a damn thing. It's true. It's true. They really don't.
0: I I don't believe there's a covenant at play in any kind of... Of of art, like um, you you pay your two or three ninety nine, you just received twenty or twenty two pages of art and writing. That's it. You're done.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I I don't yeah, think you, the contract. You're, you're you're not owed anything else. You don't. Mm-hmm. You, you bought. You got what you paid for. Um, whether you liked it or not is irrelevant. Um, yeah. But now you wait, know. Now I, it's interesting cause we. Oh, go ahead. No, I'm sorry. No, I just have to say. Having read Burns' entire run of Fantastic Four, mm-hmm. part way through that run, I had the a good fortune, I guess, to run into him at a convention. And I have to admit, I expected something and I didn't get it. Now, the 20-some-year-old me. Acted, you know, in a manner that the the fifty some year old me would would not, and I was like, man, what a dick! I bought this guy's books forever, and he can't even, you know, give me a smile or I mean, he was he was salty for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. and I walked away from it, thinking, fuck that shit! I'm never going to buy another John Byrne book again. Yeah, that didn't last very long, (laughs) Um, but. In my youth, I guess twenty something is youth. I expected something where, in my fifties, I would think, "Who you? F- like, what's going on here? You're not owed anything." Like, I guess you need the 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 benefit of experience and age and hindsight to season your 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 reaction. Because I can understand a kid or a twenty a something being kind of upset because they really they're not they don't have the experience or the, the wisdom I'm not saying I'm wise but the the experience I'll, I'll leave it at that to to assess the situation where you pay you get end of story but when you're young you look up to these people as as something other than what they really are like I I, I thought John Byrne was a a god among men. Then, now I know he was just a guy doing a job, albeit very well, but still an incredibly talented craftsman doing a job for for pay. And and I looked up to him for whatever reason, continuing the legacy of, of Jack Kirby and that other guy. And it's, so I elevated him unnecessarily where he was just a guy doing a job.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Right, right. You're right. Um, one thing that always not bugged me, or maybe perplexed me, it's when when we go to conventions, you, know, you 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 buy your ticket to go to the con and whatever level VIP. I'm not talking about that. But then you walk around artist alley. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about getting your picture taken with CM Punk or getting an autograph or anything like that, but you're walking around Artist Alley and you're shaking hands with the creators, you're thanking them, you're getting a sketch, you're getting a signed book, you're getting something from them, and you're having a quick little conversation. And there's no there's there's no uh, security. There's no uh there's nobody standing off to the side letting you know okay you you, you've gone close enough and uh there's no real velvet rope unless you're scotty young but there's nothing stopping (laughs) i was gonna make the same joke (laughs) there's nothing so you have it's it's very um it's very close-knit it's very friendly it's and Mm -hmm. and i i love that about uh the friends we've made with 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 creators especially with with being open like that and and uh you see things on twitter where writers or editors are or where somebody where 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 entitled fans will feel like they're it's because i bought your comic because i spent my 2.99 i'm entitled to tell you what you did wrong and and what i would have done differently and i don't know i know that that there are I'm not gonna call them deranged fans, but I know that there are people out there who who feel like um whether they're 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 doing it from a good place or not, but I don't I don't follow other industries the way I follow the comic book industry. So I I know that there are, are sports fans who will talk shit about athletes, about ball players, and sure. and and but I don't know but it's it's one thing if you went to a convention and you got your book signed by Chris Claremont, and then you go on Twitter and and you 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 talk about his writing style or how you know Sovereign Seven ain't shit compared to Uncanny X Men, and it, and it's it. But you 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 met this guy and and he signed your book and he had a quick little conversation. But would you say this? Would would, would you? You have a different relationship with him than than uh, than a musician, or or if you're right from the Mets, if you want to talk crap about him on Twitter. It's like I don't. It's it. Well, the social media I, is a wall. It's a protective wall. Yes, no, it is. It is. But but when when you you're able to meet right a comic book creator face to face, and and whereas if you go to if you want to get something signed by a ball player, and and you have you know, upper deck used to have the huge little, you know, the the little get-togethers where you know you buy a signed football helmet or a football, and and but you had to, you would always pay to get that item signed, and and whether that's because it's getting authenticated, I don't. But it, it there's, but there's a disconnect between the the celebrities in those industries. There's a disconnect between a celebrity at 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 a at a sporting event that that you're getting a memento from uh than there is comic books just feel more uh more friendly more 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 Welcoming and welcoming is not the right word, but it's just there's there, there's not there aren't as many hoops. You don't have to worry about you know you're not. I mean obviously artists aren't aren't getting paid millions of dollars again. You know shout out the sky but it's not like artists are getting paid so as much money as athletes where they need to feel protected or or there's this they're they Andy Kaufman on at, at on the ten foot dais because everybody else is beneath them. It's just it's it's weird that that comic book fans would think that it's okay or feel emboldened enough where where they can react and and, and behave this way. And it, it, yeah.
0: Well I think there's a number of reasons for that. And the first being that the comics industry is a relatively small pool compared to the sports or or yes. movies or television, right? Where it's it's not a there's not a whole lot of the population that's in on it. So yeah, we can walk up to Scotty Young or you know, Mitch or Tom King and be like, what's up brother? You know? So even though there are thousands of people that want to see this person, thousands is not millions.
3: I have a I shall call you over across the con.
0: Right? No, but that's what, but I look at it, it, it like this. The, the guys that lash out have obviously been touched in some way by the creator's work. Now I, I speaking from experience, John Byrne loved his work so i felt kind of hurt when he didn't when he wasn't my little pet monkey burn and did exactly what i wanted him to do only because he provided some kind of magic to me that made me fall in love with his work in the first place i think that's what's happening there there are some there there are a lot of creators that provide they fill this this hole in people's lives very well and then when they stop filling the hole, the person feels the absence mm-hmm. of what they fell in love with in the first place. So I can't fault them for feeling that way, but I can fault them for publicly expressing that. In a, in, a, in You know what I mean? It's one thing to write the creator a, an email or a letter or something and say, hey – you know, it's I, I got a bone to pick with you. Tell me if I'm wrong. But to go on Twitter and say you suck because you're not doing the dance you did three months ago. I want that dance. I want that dance back. And you're not dancing like that right now. Why? Why aren't you doing it? You suck. You're terrible. Like that's just that's in bad form. Just mm-hmm. in general. You know? Yeah. It it's not a good look, as Jason mm-hmm. would say.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah.
0: Yeah. And and again, just to bring it all back home. They don't owe us shit. you right. Remember that. They don't owe us anything. It's very true. Unless we're talking Scotty. Then he owes us hundreds of thousands of dollars.
1: Now that said, I mean, if anybody wants to hook a brother up with Jim Lee, you know, if you're out there in Cuomo and you got an extra spot, I mean, I'm not going to say no.
0: I don't think $15,000. Is it 15000 Yes. I don't think that's a bad price for an 11 by 17 Jim Lee. It, it's honestly
1: not. It, it's really not. I mean, as crazy as it sounds to some people, um, I could name, and I'm not going to because I don't want to blow up their spot, but I could name 10 artists right now that we talk about on the show all the time that we consider friends that get routinely get a 1,000 or more for an 11 by 17 and they're not Jim Lee. And again, I think they're great artists, and I love that they get that. Um, but my point is a Jim Lee commission is a scarce thing. He doesn't do them. And, guess, and this is, yeah. you get to pick. I mean, people do, Jim will occasionally, especially at big cons, do some drawings a- ahead of time. Some busts, things like Batman or, you know, the characters that are the most popular, DC characters. And then he'll sell those or he'll have them as giveaways. So if you go to Comic Art Fans or whatever, there, there are a decent amount of people that have a Jim Lee. Quite, quite a few have Jim Lee, Batman or what have you. Um, but this is a chance for you to get Jim to draw the character that you want. Want. Yep. I mean, let's be real, right? Like, like, if I was worth Amazon Jeff Bezos' money, I would call. I would call up Jim with the, one of these spots and say, "Draw me a domino." Because is there ever going to be another time in in the world where Jim Lee is going to draw a domino? Right? It's never going to happen. So I could make it happen. So yeah, I think it's um, it, it is not an unreasonable amount given the scarcity of the opportunity, right? Right. And it's
0: it's also not an unreasonable amount when you look at guys that get. Ten and a hundred times that, that don't have the pedigree that Jim Lee has. And I'm looking at James Jean. James Jean makes a disgusting amount of money on his artwork. James Jean, as awesome as James Jean is, does not have the pedigree that Jim Lee has. He didn't revolutionize the comic industry. Jim Lee did. Mm well, well i'm know. gonna
1: i'm gonna have to disagree with you on one on on this particular comparison because james jean gets the money he gets for the reality that fine art commands infinitely higher prices than comic <laughs> art always <laughs> has and i'm not saying this isn't about whether it should in fact one of the cool things i think about listen as a art purchaser as someone who spends in many people would think ridiculous amount of money on art um it is a reality that we have seen massive price um, inflation in comic art in the last bunch of years. But but it's got to be couched against this, the fact that it's still way, way, way below what fine art gets of people with far less provenance. And yeah. whether or not you like James Jean is irrelevant. I do. I do. James went away from comics and became a massive hit in the fine art world where he does gallery shows all over the world
0: right so and i don't want to get into the discussion yeah so i'm
1: just saying like from a so i don't think i mean my point is james Jean is not getting tens of thousands of dollars for drawing because of what he did in comics he's getting tens of thousands of dollars because he has ascended into that very nebulous realm of modern art where a lot of wealthy people that collect modern art think of him as yeah. worthy of that doing that's all
0: doing nothing different than jim lee
1: nothing he, Do you mean in terms of the, the craft?
0: Yes, there's nothing different between what James Jean does and what Jim Lee does. Yes, there's different approaches, there's different media, but a dude sitting down at an art table knocking out a painting or a dude sitting down at an art table knocking out a, a, a commission, it's the same thing. There, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing you know, with you there. To, to distinguish that what James Jean does is in some way finer in art than what Jim Lee does, it's bullshit. It's, it's all art.
1: Yeah, no. I, well, I don't think you're going to get any argument from the, from the, the, your co hosts here, but but this is where we have to talk about what the reality. Of, I mean, again, we're talking about the, the reality is Jim Lee can get 15 grand for commission because he's Jim Lee, right. and, and whereas most artists can't. It's the same thing. Whether it's fair or should be, the reality is when you break in big in fine art, the level of compensation is just exponentially higher. Um, yeah, I just, it I just have a problem I know, with I know, No, I know you have a problem yeah. with it, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about right. the reality. Sure. The reality is James Jean gets hundreds of thousands of dollars from murals because he is considered to be a preeminent fine artist of his time. I got it's, you. I, I, I think the label is silly. I'm with you. I think there shouldn't be any labels to these things. Right. Art is art is beautiful, regardless of whether it's commercial or fine or something that's done in the back of someone's bedroom that no one ever sees until they Something's die. Like, straight
0: on a, on a wall. Yeah, right. 100%. Exactly.
1: Yeah. But, but, but again, I mean, you know, it's a whole nother world when we're talking about what people pay for fine art, right? right. I mean,
0: James Jean plays a different game than Jim yeah. Lee. He's, he I does... mean, look, there,
1: there's a hedge fund manager, uh, that, that paid $7 million for a, <laughs> for a shark, for a shark fetus that's, that's in formaldehyde in, in a see-through box because it's fine art. I mean, uh, modern art, right? I mean, it's like, my point is, I mean, it gets crazy when you start. I mean, you it know, does. what people will pay. When when my um, when I was at that Christie's auction, um, I think I, sh- I showed you guys the pictures. There were these gigantic—I assume they were bronze, but metallic castings of these uh, horrific-looking spiders, probably the size of a car. that were fastened to the wall, and they were fifteen million dollars a piece. Sweet for a bro- for a bronze spider, though. I mean, that's my point. Like, it's like it seems ridiculous, but if someone Values it that way, then exactly. that's
0: exactly art is yeah. worth whatever someone will pay for.
1: Absolutely, it.
0: yeah. I'm down with that. If like mm-hmm. it's like the, the Damien Hirst, the, the for the love of God skull, sure. And you know, if somebody wants to pay that price, and I think someone did, then more power to you. If you can get it, brother, I have no qualms against yeah. what you're doing. But when, when, when you start to stratify creation. It's just all creation. Whether you want to call it fine art or comic book art or lowbrow art or street art, it's all the same thing. And let's
1: be clear. For all I know, I don't know that James Jean makes that distinction, right? I don't know that. No, I don't think he does. Like, I don't know that James is sitting around saying, well, I'm a fine artist. Right. I I I doubt that. that. Yeah. 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 I I doubt
0: it. I doubt it. Yeah. All right. Nice aside. Let's, uh, um, no, did what?
1: I was going to say, did either of you chaps have a chance to read your copy of Green Lantern Earth
3: One Volume One yet?
0: Well, you know, you're going to slap me with a wet codfish because I didn't order it.
3: Wow. Oh, he's not going to slap you. I'm. I'm. I
0: am. Okay. I. I. I didn't see it solicited. If I did, I would have ordered it. But I tend to, unless it's the the New Age of Heroes section of the DC or the the collected edition part of the DC solicitations, I just blow past it. I have, the pull, I have the pull list set up. Whatever I order is what I order, unless it's something new in those two sections. Mm-hmm. So I didn't see it, and I didn't order it.
1: I see it's not on Dap's little slack
3: list yet either. So Because it's arriving from DCBS at the end of the month. Right, Damn. right. Okay. Well, so then you're I won't... Your weekly. So, I mean, in that case, yeah. Yeah, I won't
1: get into to the to the plot of it then, because it's something I think we'll all enjoy talking about when we've read it. But I will say, because um, it is it is created by uh, by uh, Gabriel Hardman and Karina Becko. Uh, of course, we are big fans of, of theirs. Consider them friends. I have to say that uh, it, it is triumphant work on Gabriel's part. No real surprise there. I don't know that Gabriel's ever been accused of phoning something in. So, and it's 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 impeccably beautiful stuff. Um and I did say this on the social medias, I think this is the best Green Lantern story I've read since um you know we were getting that early John stuff. Um it it's certainly in the last bunch of years it's the best Green Lantern story I've I've partake I've partaken in. So hat tip to them and I I sincerely hope there's a volume two. Yeah, I can't wait to read it. Yeah.
0: Can we tell to get it?
1: Mm hmm. Get it, get it. Right. What else y'all been reading?
0: I have lots of stuff, but well, bring it. I want to you... hear from you guys. Well, that's good. Well, I mean I, I got
1: a million stuff to talk about. I don't think we got anything to collab on though. No. I'm looking at your list, I don't see any collabo stuff. Yeah.
0: You know what I'm rereading? And this popped up on the list. Or the stack as I was bagging stuff. I'm rereading Peter David's Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. Mm. I love that series. Love it and I you know, I'm I'd be hard pressed to tell you why. Because uh, nothing immediately jumps out. Yeah, it's a fun series and Janice Vell is a cool character. I guess those are reasons, right? But I just it's just a very comfortable book for me, um the Wayback machine. It was coming out at a time where comics were awesome. I bought everything, and it just reminds me of that i guess you can call it youthful fascination with comics i mean it and it's really not that old of a series, but um it's going back twenty years right but it's just it's a very it's it's the old soft shoe or the or the comfortable robe. It it just makes me feel good to read it again and I know a lot of people associate Peter David with the Hulk as being his his landmark series but I don't know I think it's Captain Marvel for me. I think Rick Jones is a better Surrogate mouthpiece for Peter David than Bruce Banner was. I just I like Rick Jones, the way Peter David writes him. I like Marlo a lot. Like Mar mm-hmm. Marlo to me is the redhead of the De- of the Marvel universe. Forget that other skank,
2: Marlo. <laughs> Marlo.
0: If if I got to have a redhead, it's Marlo. Mm-hmm. I love her. She she owns a comic shop. She's built like a brick shit house, and she's the significant other to Captain Marvel. Like it's, she's amazing. She can handle herself. It's, um, you guys read Peter David's run on Captain Marvel, right? Jason, don't no. say. Don't, no, yeah, of course, yeah. D- David, you have, yeah. No. What?
3: For reals? <laughs> not, uh, yeah, may, maybe an issue here or there, but no, not in its entirety.
0: Oh my god.
3: Yeah, I know. We I know gotta a fix blind spot. this. I was—I know, I know. It wasn't it. I wasn't. I I I wasn't all in at the time. It was finances, bro. Oh. And I've never gone back to to fix that. So.
0: You know the conceit of the series, right?
2: It's, as far as
0: it spins out of Avengers Forever.
2: Oh, okay. okay. Yeah.
0: So you have Janice Vell, wants to live up to Daddy's legacy. And he's bonded with Rick Jones with the, the the bracelets. Shazam, right? And um the 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 cosmic awareness is on the Fritz. Um I I, I just recently reread the first I think six or, or ten issues. Um the, the cosmic awareness is w- not working entirely as it should because Janice is seeing things that haven't happened yet. He's seeing the future Um, giant um, snake creatures uh, destroying stuff and he acts and there's nothing there. Whereas sometime in the future, this giant snake creature does start ripping the place up. And so he has a run in with the local law. They think he's crazy because he's like, but this giant thing was was tearing things up. And they're like, brother, there's nothing there. What are you talking about? Um, And so Moondragon is alerted to the fact that Genesis' cosmic awareness is on the fritz. So she comes to Earth, and where Moondragon goes, who follows? Daddy. Drax. Right. And it's not Guardians of the Galaxy Drax. Mm -hmm. It's purple and green, big, dumb, stupid Drax, which makes it even better, right? Not to slight Mm -hmm. Giffen or Abnett and Lanning, but... Drax died when Abnett and Lanning and Giffen got him. I think it was Giffen that did it first, right? In that miniseries. Which isn't to say they didn't make him better. It's just that the version of Drax that I liked ceased to be. Okay? It's not better or worse. It's just my Drax went away when the whole uh, Marvel Cosmic blew up. But I mean, the Micronauts are in it. What? Seriously? You you need to read the the mm-hmm. uh, um, Jarella, not Jarella, but Jarella's quote sister is in it. They get when when the when uh, Rick Jones waxed the the bands together, the um He thought that the the area in which he resided was the negative zone. When he went away and Jenis took his place, he thought it was the negative zone. He was protected by this cocoon of something. And it's not the negative zone, it's the microverse. Mm-hmm. And they, uh, him and Drax, and Jenis uh, and Drax end up on this planet that just happens to be where Jarella was from. And Jarella's sister ascends to the throne, and it's this. But, dude, micronauts commander <laughs> ran marionette bug like come on you gotta read this um and you like crisscross right yep well the first bunch of issues were more than that like a, a good bulk of the peter david captain marvel the, volume five is it there there was two incarnations of captain marvel they did that remember that the,
3: the the you decide yeah
0: the you decide thing yeah, the bullshit, and so there's yeah. like a Two volumes of it, but it, they continue the numbering. But um yeah, and uh, the Wendy goes in it. The Hulk is in it. Like it's just great, comfortable, feel-good Saturday afternoon comics with Crisscross. Nice. And I'm. I if you if you don't have the single issues, I can hook you up with the digital issues. All of them. Okay. The entire run. Okay.
1: I've all of them
0: all of them there and i just it is if i had to pick you know it'd be up there with my all-time favorite marvel series i'm not going to elevate it to amazing spider-man but the house is on fire what am i going to (laughs) grab i don't know where my spider-man boxes are then oh here's peter david's hulk and captain marvel i'm gonna grab these right after John Byrne's Fantastic Four. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's, it's a great, great series. It's a lot of fun. And, and Rick Jones ascends from the sidekick to the, the main event in, in this book. He becomes, a I think, under Peter David, Rick Jones becomes a real honest-to-God character. Mm-hmm. Not just a, a foil or a, a, a companion to somebody whose name is on the front of the book. Right. Yeah. Love it. Nice. Dap, I am shocked. You have surprised me tonight.
1: Oh, uh, apparently. Dap had a window of time where he couldn't, couldn't get, get with the reading as much as he would like.
3: And I, uh, I apparently surprised Jason quite a bit this morning as well with the yes. uh, sci-fi stuff. So, yeah, I don't, yeah. We, have to, we have to work on our newlywed game. game it's true.
1: If we ever do we a do. comics newlywed game, we're going to fail miserably.
3: You yeah. got to
0: know that those couples talk before like okay well, if they sure. ask us this if they're smart right <laughs> sure but i love the ones that come on and Gotta it's, be like, the butt, Bob. it's like they don't even know each other
3: i, I know like
1: like, what do you think pulled off the street yeah it'd be fun to go back and have uh updates as to how many of them stayed together
3: yeah
0: all i know is that if my wife and i went on that we would fail miserably,
1: <laughs> miserably. well
0: i'd say blue she'd say seven <laughs> Like, yeah. what are you talking about?
1: <laughs> ESPN, the magazine, years ago. They may still do it, but I haven't read the magazine in a long time. But when it was first coming out, they did a thing each uh, issue where they took a famous athlete and they asked his best friend, who was usually a teammate, and his significant other, newly, newlywed game questions. And I would say <laughs> nine out of ten times the friend knew them better than the wife yeah
0: well you know what if we ever played that game y'all would definitely score higher than my wife now on on the flip side i probably would not score as high as your wife or dap's wife
1: i would probably agree with that as well yep yep depends on the line of questions though
0: Nah, not not on my end. It doesn't. <laughs> oh, so my, I mean,
1: my you know, my wife does give zero fucks about this this side of the world of uh, my life. She she oh, doesn't same. know the first thing about about the comics or the geekery. Other than I love it. So the
0: the king of the hill in that respect is that.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. In a His lot wife's of, at least open to it, and tolerant. In
0: a doubt. lot of hills, and she's damn sexy.
1: Word up. Word. I'm a wreck At Um. So. We have some questions, Hmm. uh, which was a a follow-up from last week when we had asked some of the patrons to throw us some questions, and we have a few uh, more this week, if you guys are open to it. Always. All right. So Tyler Verissimo asks, are there any past creator guests you wish you could have on again, besides the regulars? And any creators you'd like to have on that you haven't yet had?
0: Hmm. Can I answer that real quick? Sure. Uh, past guests, I need to have Dave Windorf on again. And I don't know why he's not answering my messages.
1: I told you he hit me back on Twitter.
0: I know. Why isn't he answering my messages? Are you <laughs> sending
1: him to him on Twitter?
0: Uh, sent to, yeah, Twitter. Okay. I even try to call. Like Wow. He must hate me.
1: I, I didn't do- get that vibe from him when he responded to me, but okay. Cool. What'd he say? Oh, you don't want uh, to get out of the bag. Yeah, I no, know, I, I back. Yeah. No, I mean, it was, yeah. We I got gotcha. you. It was um, small talk. I don't know, Dave, like you do.
0: And the number one creator that I would like to have on that we haven't had on answer for me. Come on. Larson. Yes.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, For me, it's—I mean, there's a million, uh, really, honestly. Um, And and when I saw this question from Tyler, I thought it is worth noting as a couch to this. um, We like to portray that the show is is largely seat of our pants and unscripted, and it is. I mean, we get on the not really knowing what the conversation is going to be about, but uh, unless it's a theme episode or something. But I will say that the structure the the the, the longer term structure of the show does have a little more thought in that I mean real talk if we wanted we could have we could have creators on every week yeah. I mean we really could we it'd be easy for us to do that but we've always taken the approach that that's ultimately not what the show is about uh, it's a part of the show but it, but it's generally got to be about an organic um experience to have them on with us in the fourth say sitting in the fourth chair. And we've realized that that there is a fine line between how often we have guests and how much the majority of the audience digs it, right? Like, I think if we had a guest every other week, let's say, I think the audience would not dig that. No. It seems like even when we have guests on that we think are phenomenal experiences... We get plenty of comments saying, like, it was okay, but I, I like better right. when it's just you guys right. talking about comics.
0: And the, so, the numbers will out. When we have a guest yeah, so, on, our numbers drop.
1: Yeah. So, so I, I mean, so the point there is that is that I do think we are perpetually excited about getting different people on. And We have a running list of people we'd love to have on, some returning, some new. Um, and we will continue to have guests with some level of frequency. But we do try and keep it limited to, you know, like once every month or so once every three, four, five weeks. I mean we do try and keep it spaced out so that the sh- the main focus of the show is, is us chatting about stuff. But um so with that said I think that that, that creates a steady backlog. Um in terms of, of of people that uh I guess wouldn't be regulars, Tyler isn't he doesn't say who who he would consider regulars, but I assume he means people like Scotty would be regulars. Um but I would love to have Jason Aaron back on. Love it. Yep. Um would love to have Hickman back on. Um, for sure. Uh, love to have Matt Wagner back on.
3: Oh, you took my about. answer.
1: Well, all right. Fair enough. I was going to say it because it would make <laughs> you so happy. I um, had to
0: have known he was going to say that. that like, I had saying. one. I had one. <laughs> right.
1: You yeah, um, had one job. But, uh, <laughs> I only yeah. had
3: one day on my list. <laughs> I don't.
1: In terms of, um, of, of, our, of people we haven't had on yet, there's a... a a shit ton, frankly. Um, yeah, but I, I would love to have Gary Panter on for Vince.
0: Yeah, you know what? That would be the there. There would be other than Larson. There would be two names that you would think that I would want to have on, mm-hmm. Gary Panter and Richard Corbin, both of which would reduce me to a quivering mass of goo.
1: Right, yeah, that'd be <laughs> so, fun. So, have no, like to do that, it
0: would not be fun.
1: Well, you know, I've tried. I've tried to have Gary. I on. I know.
0: Well, yeah, but he was nice about it.
1: No, no, he was. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm not saying he was a jerk about it, but he has, uh, he's, you know, he has not agreed to come on. Um, but we try every now and then. Never know. Um, love to have Christopher Priest on. He, he, going to send another email. Yeah, he yeah. said he was going to come on and then blew us off. Um, but there's really a ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, the, the list of people we haven't had on that, I, There are a lot of people. Uh, there are tons of people I would love to sit down and have a chat with for an hour or two. And you know, really we is. never
0: followed up on. And you mentioned them earlier in the show, Jimmy and Amanda. They wanted to come on, and we just yeah. like, kind of dropped the Oh, man, and I would
1: I would love that to death, especially. I mean, again, I probably could come up with a list of 100 people I'd love to have on the show if we just were given a blank check. But you just touched on it. The people I'm most interested in having on are creators that we love that also just don't tend to do interviews very often. Right. You know, um, because that'd be fun. That'd be fun to get a chance to talk to these these fantastic artists and writers and, and, and give the, the, the listenership a chance to hear them, you know, when they can't elsewhere. Cause yeah. some, some, some creators do tons of press. Um, and, 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 but some are completely, you know, kind of ghost about it. So, yeah.
0: And those who have followed us for a significant amount of time, know that we don't drag people in based on their popularity. Yeah, we've had Ed Piskor on, but that's just because we love his work. And oh yeah, yeah. We, we had a general rapport with him—a great, I think, rapport. But we're not going to pull Jeff Johns, or or try to pull Jeff Johns on the show because, yeah, he's good and he's hmm. significant. But I, I hesitate to think of actually what we would, you know, it doesn't seem like he would be as lively a discussion as an ed piscor or a tom king just like and we don't know them, really you know so we we bring people we we ask people to come on that we really generally just vibe with right
1: for sure yeah i mean no, i think we, so either, either we've met them or we've been quote unquote internet friends with them or or there's a mutual acquaintance type of thing for sure
0: all right let's draw the line best guest we've ever had on what do you mean by best most fun we've ever had with a guest.
1: Nah, I can't go there, man. I I, I think for me that there's been a few that didn't go as I'd hoped, but most have been I think amazing experiences. Okay.
0: The one show where you shut off the mic the Skype and said, Holy fuck, that was an experience. Um
1: I, I don't know that I could pick one. I mean I, I the the way you just couched it would be Liefeld simply yes. because because we asked two questions and Rob yeah. filled two hours of, of airwaves. <laughs> two, we're lucky it was two. It's like more like three. I mean that was an that was a, a, an exhausting and exhilarating experience. But right. but, I but don't that know wasn't that was really
0: any... an interview. That was like a that was, was a, an experience. You, you know Rob's on stage. He's doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. But and and in no way the same experience we get when Scotty's on. But I love it when Scotty's on.
1: Much like I like giving gifts better than receiving them, for me, the, the the times when you or David have been like giddy with anticipation leading up to it, like Josh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Josh or, or Matt or Wagner, yeah, yeah th- th- those were th- those were memorable because of the excitement,
3: the glee in, in your your respective eyes, yeah, and what I enjoy is uh, as As we are chatting, and the guest is just going off, and then uh, I'll see a message pop up from one of you two. Oh, my God, this is gold. Oh, my God, I can't believe he said (laughs) that. Oh, shit,
0: really? (laughs) How many times did I do that when Josh was talking? I know. OMG, pinch me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was borderline goo with Josh, but I had met him before. Sure. I, I, I had I had dinner with him, so it was. We're, uh, there was no I, the, no, there was no ice to break. But uh, you're right. If 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 Gary came on, I would be like stupid, just plain out, flat out stupid.
1: Yeah. Well, I think the 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 only time it makes sense for us to have a guest on is when we 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 have either. We know them ahead of time or we have a reason to think based on what we've heard of them or seen of them that they'll be just chill and have a chat, a conversation. I mean, we do try and hit the high notes if someone's on that talk about their work, certainly, you know, and past and present. But but it, it always we always wanted to try and feel like they're just sitting down and chatting with us like they would be if we were sitting around a table at a con uh, having a drink, yeah, right. you know, not that it's it's us hitting them up on the PR junket.
3: Right, I think I, I think uh, DWJ had felt that way. I yes. think some had felt that way. Yep, yep, yep. Um, I definitely feel that way with with Andy Parks. Um, and when the the lost episode here it comes, I Bolton knew with Bill <laughs> Hester. Hester uh, that was a great talk. A, yeah, where is it? Fantastic talk. I bet you you still have it too.
0: I don't know about that. Uh, okay. I'd have to. I check mean, no, it archives. it shouldn't
3: be heard. But yes, I I I, I yeah, would be surprised. It was surprised a mess. A file. It was a mess. It was fun, um, but it was a mess. Right. Yeah. Um. Uh, but no, there were definitely there, and and yeah, as 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 you've alluded to, there there were a couple that were maybe not as stellar, at least from our perspective. But it was a um. But it's not like anybody really no. ever um. Complained about anything. I, I know that there is one listener who's not too keen. I don't know <laughs> shout out, Raph. Yeah, but uh, Raph
0: don't like it when it something comes between him and his boys. You can't, you can't blame him.
1: Nah, so Happy good. birthday, Raph. Birthday. Yep. <laughs> and you exactly. know
0: what? You know what? We should really shout out our buddy Zach Crusay.
1: I. You just took the words out of my mouth. Yep. Yes. You do it. Do it. No, you do it. Is no, I don't book? want. I don't want to do it. Uh, 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 shout out. Go ahead. No. Are you gonna do it? <laughs> No, you go. You hang up. <laughs> no, you, you go. Up. No, you, Shmoopy. Uh, shout out to Mr. Zach Crusay and his lovely wife Brenna and the Crusay family for welcoming yet another member to their brood,
0: Maggie, the lovely Maggie,
1: named after Maggie the mechanic. Some some comic book that may or may dude. Be. Come on,
0: you know if yeah, that doesn't get friend, if friend. that doesn't get you to read it, nothing will.
1: You know, I actually thought about it when he when he announced the name. I thought, I got the book sitting right here. Maybe I need to give it another shot.
0: Yep. If I had another girl, I would definitely name her Hopi.
1: Wow. Oh.
0: Yep. Okay. I'm, I mean, okay. I probably wouldn't
1: get away with it, but right. You know. Now remind me. I, I don't
0: have to have another baby with my wife, do I? I can make no, other one. No,
1: no. Oh no, you're still potent. You can. Damn right. Yeah. Sicilian man, that's how you do. Shit. You don't go deep, but you once you, once you go, you, you know, go. I,
0: I really can't disagree with you on that <laughs> one.
1: I cannot front. It ain't deep, um, but it's in there. Remind me. Yes. Did either of you read when it was coming out?
0: Because I don't
1: think you did. I Kill Giants? I did not.
0: Nope. No. I still haven't read it.
1: Now, before I say what I have to say, is there a reason that you didn't read it? Because it was mad hyped at the time, right when we started the show.
0: Yeah, Um, I don't know why. I I can't say. I don't remember. Mm
3: -hmm. But
0: um, I obviously have not read it. I have yet to have. I've I've not read it. I I, I I know that there's an element of sadness to it.
1: Yeah. Well, I I bring it up because um, the film. Just hit the theaters and limited release, though. So it's, it's not going to be easy for you to see. Uh, I believe it's going to hit the digital uh, distribution, the legal digital distribution soon, <laughs> though, quickly um, thereafter. So I think we'll all be able to see it in that way uh, quickly. It's not it's playing in New York right now. It's not playing anywhere near me. Unfortunately, I was hoping to see it this weekend, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. But I bring it up because it, the book itself, um, you know, I threw some unintentional shade at my boy Joe Kelly earlier. And it only feels right to give him some love. Uh, Joe wrote this book. And when we were first starting our show, you remember the men of action were getting a lot of push. Because they yes. had all kind of made all that money with Ben 10. And then they were all going to recommit to comics. So at one fell soup, we had a couple new Joe Kelly books, a couple new Joe Casey joints. Um, they all, each of them were, uh, Steven Siegel had something yes. new. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, so they all were kind of coming out in full force together right when we were starting the show. Um, and one of the books um, from that that uh, collection was I Kill Giants, which was, was written by Joe with art by J.M. Ken Nomura. And uh, it, it, we just passed the 10th anniversary of the book. Um, I read the book as it was coming out in issues, but then I did... I don't remember when it came out a year or two ago. God, maybe it was more recent than that, but, but they put out a, a big, beautiful, oversized hard cover of it. Probably. I want to say maybe in, in conjunction with the anniversary, but maybe I'm imagining that. I don't remember the, the circumstances, but I pulled that off the shelf, um, in anticipation of the film and reread it. And it is definitely a book that is held in very high regard by many. Um, and I remembered enjoying it quite a bit when it first came out. And it, it, it aged beautifully. Um, the book was just as emotionally powerful the second time through, even though I knew the surprises that were ahead. Like I knew what the book was actually about versus what, what the surface is about. So on the surface, the crux is there's a, a, a fifth grade girl named Barbara Thorson. She's a nerdy little blonde girl with uh tiny eyes and big glasses and she's skinny and she wears uh like like bunny ears and she's a nerd, you know, she plays D&D, she's obsessed with with uh giants and and uh fantasy and she's now cast uh as many kids of that type at that age would have been or would be um doesn't really have any friends but she's also pretty Self-confident, like it doesn't. It's not like she's clamoring for friends. She kind of just doesn't give two fucks. She thinks most of her contemporaries are idiots that are into stupid things and they don't understand the world. So um, she's more than happy being marching to the beat of her own drummer. Um, but it's also clear that that she's got troubles. She's got issues, emotional issues. She's not doing well in school, even though she's very smart. Um, and the school gets a new guidance counselor that attempts to Break through, crack through the, the, the veneer. Um, and one of the things I think that, that made the book so acclaimed is that Kelly and Nomura play with the idea of fact and fiction. Um, and it's something that you can only do in comics because, um, you know, in comics, we're used to reading books where dragons and titans and ogres can exist. Like that's not unusual it's not unusual to read a story where that, that they just exist in the world um, and as a result, I think they really do well to play with that because as you're reading this this the story you're not sure is she really fighting giants is is she really imbued with a magic hammer uh you know is 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 it like everyone else around her thinks she's it's in her mind but is it really in her mind or do they just not realize what she's up to um and eventually we we find that out and I won't I won't spoil that for the, even though it's a 10 year old book. I won't, I won't, spoil the, the conclusion other than to say at the epicenter of her story is a extremely real, powerful and frankly, uh, heart wrenching reality that underpins all of the fantastical things that, um, surround her and her life. And it all comes to a climax, um, near perfectly uh and and frankly even has a happy ending to be honest with you which is nice like 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 many fables or fairy tales do so it's a it's an awesome book and i will say that uh Nomura hasn't done a lot of comic work um this is this is his breakout work when he did this and i think a lot of people expected big things i don't know what happened i don't know if he's slow or he just makes his living doing other types of art i don't know but uh i don't recall seeing him very often um but but the the style in this, I really think you'd love the visuals, Vince. It's 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 raw, um, it, particularly in the parts where she's dealing with the personal traumas that she's working through. Uh, it it's 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 a raw line. It's it's not polished. It's uh, you know it's just kind of there. I mean, some of the some of the some of the panels are just you know just just very raw, scratchy lines on a page that that barely equal a figure, you know. But just kind of imbue the. You know it's a human, but it's it's not drawn tightly. You know it's just kind of uh, scratchy, and um,
0: the whole plate as it lays.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. and and I think that uh, that it really works well for the 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 underpinnings of 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 what what she's dealing with. So um, yeah, like I said, I'm trying to avoid spoilers here because it's a book that I think you need to experience, uh, and and I think a spoiler would would take away the the potency of the book, but definitely if this is one of those things that's just been sitting on your Regine pile all these years, or yet you may have it digitally or, or, or uh, even if you're going to a con and you want to seek out the issues, uh, this is something you should read. Uh, it, it's a, it's an amazing book. And, and I, I, guess I know slice of life is like kryptonite to some, and Vince included, but th- there Sometimes. is a slice of life. There is a slice of life, but this is slice of life with a fantastical level, uh, like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. Right. There's a, a layer of, Fantasy here that makes the slice of life reality that underpins it so much more enticing to a comic reader, I think. So, um, I can't recommend this work enough. And, and again, I'm probably giving the short shrift because I'm just trying to couch my words. I don't want right. to. It, 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 this is a book that's really hard to. It, it's hard to extract why it gets the praise it gets without giving away the kernel of the book, which is. Like, I just think if you know the kernel of the book ahead of time, it's just not going to have the same impact. It's kind of like a snake eating its tail. So you kind of just kind of have to trust me or trust a myriad of other people that that praise this book and say that it is definitely something that should be on your to read list if, uh, if, if it isn't already. Cool.
0: Well, you know what? I have to say kudos to fandom because in the 10 years since this book has been out, I have not been spoiled. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know the the. That's a good point. I,
1: I think, yeah, people have gone out of their way to to, to let the story be itself, to speak Maybe. on it for itself. Yeah.
0: I have the ultimate segue. Cool. Yes, I too have a book about a social outcast. All right. And it was another one of those books that bubbled up to the to the top of the 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 bagging pile, and uh, oddly enough, I was wanting more. After last week's episode, I talked about Eleanor and the Egret. I was wanting more Sam Keith. And what should rise to the top of my pile but Zero Girl. Have either of you read this?
1: Never read it, no. I saw it on your list, but I knew nothing about it.
0: Yeah. um, Actually, both series. uh, He did a Zero Girl um, five-issue series for the uh, Wildstorms Homage comics in uh, 2001 and then he did a sequel called zero girl full circle i believe a year later um and it too features a social outcast in the 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 title role uh you have a girl in um she's uh i think she's 16 at the time of the the story and uh she is a social outcast amy smootster she uh she wears glasses, does not dress like everybody else. She wears fuzzy sweaters and leggings and crop tops and belly shirts and her hair is two different colors and she just doesn't get along with all the other kids. She doesn't fit in because she has a preoccupation with shapes. Um, in, in Amy's, did we lose somebody? No. Um, in Amy's world, circles are power and squares are very, very bad. And, um, she's picked on by the other kids in school. There's a trio of girls that, uh, take it upon themselves to make Amy's life. Hell. One of which the leader of which is, her name's Michelle. And, um, you know they they do this the, this thing where they they call our names and because amy has this condition that when she experiences shame she she leaks from her feet ew and, and it's not sweat it's not pee fluid now remember this is sam keith Okay, Ew. so so we're not in in the real world. We're not in in rational land. Or or um, when when Amy experiences shame, her feet drip some kind of substance. So um, the the girls give Amy a swirly, and and when she uh, crosses that line into shame. Her feet start to leak. And in this instance, there's a cabinet with all toilet paper rolls. And toilet paper rolls are what? They're circles. So the, the rolls come flying out and they turn into fleshy, toothy, cylindrical entities, much like the iss in the max only pink and with with razor sharp teeth and so the girls leave amy alone but amy goes to the the guidance counselor and his name is is tim tim foster and he's a hunk a hunk of manhood you know uh, the girls that are preying upon amy they think he's the the hottest thing ever right and they're like you got to stay away from that that amy she's weird she's she's bad news and amy's directed to go see the guidance counselor and she immediately takes a shine to him and this is where the book gets a little uncomfortable remember amy 16 tim feels something for amy and ex- as the as the story goes on, and they experience different things, the two there's an obvious attraction between the two. But Tim, being a grown ass twenty something man, is very reluctant to act upon it. He wants to, but he won't. Um, Amy's Amy's very very attractive, but she's sixteen, right? Um, Amy also has an uncle who's a sow bug <laughs> her uncle Carl she goes to be by herself in the in this field and Uncle Carl is a sow bug and she talks to this bug and the bug talks back to her and guides her in her life and the we find out later in the series that the 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 sow bug has a surname. His name is Carl, but his surname is Young. <laughs> this series, I'll tell you, it is crazy. Um and, and Amy tells Tim, the guidance counselor, about the circles and the squares, and circles give her power and protect her, and squares are bad, and and it's 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 just not good. And and he tries to analyze her and, and come to terms with all the things she's going on. And he's like, you know what? I, I, I'm I into symbols as well. Circles are the shape of the egg and the the number before one, which is zero. And, and there there's power in circles. And Amy falls in love with Tim. And over the course of the five issues, Tim falls in love with Amy. But he won't act on it. Respect, right? But... There comes a point in the five issues where all of Amy's circles and squares and all that stuff stops becoming fantasy and I think becomes reality because Amy likes to draw circles constantly, just drawing circles on things and newspapers and, you know, uh, she cuts circles out of cardboard and the girls uh, try and play a prank on Amy and there's construction going on at the school and there's a stack of bricks way above and Amy's talking to Tim and they're, they're pissed that she's gotten so close to their heartthrob, Tim, the guidance counselor. And they, they knock the bricks over, which would, which could potentially be a very disastrous event. I mean, if you're pelted by bricks from X amount of stories above you, that could fuck up your day. That could hurt you. Well, she takes the circle, (laughs) which remember is cut out of cardboard holds it up to protect Tim, and the cardboard circle stops the rain of bricks. So as a reader, I'm like, okay, there's something. Something to Amy's Amy's thing going on. So, So meanwhile, Michelle, which is the leader of the girls that are making Amy's life hell... Notices that there's something going on with that fluid that leaks from her, fe- from her feet, and they they get her in a very compromising position. And they take some of that liquid, and uh, Michelle gets it on her face, and Michelle turns into a square. Her head literally turns into a square, and she she tries to to kill Amy. She kills the two girls that are were her friends. She cuts their heads off and puts them in boxes. This is pure Sam Keith. There's a lot of symbolism in it. There's a lot of maybe borderline unpleasantness with a 20-something man being romantically attracted to a 16-year-old girl. But the story progresses and things happen, and I won't get into it, but there's a, a point where He knows he's in love with her. She's obviously in love with him. It's not a childhood infatuation. These two have experienced things that go beyond rational thought. They have experienced the supernatural, the paranormal. Let's just put it that way. And they're in it. He says to her, he says, you know what? I love you, but you're 16 years old. Come back to me in three years when you're when you're legal and we'll see where this goes. And he gives her a piece of paper and that's where it ends. And she, she's like, fuck you roundabout way. But you see her hand come out of her door and take up the piece of paper and she goes away. So three years later and th- throughout the, the series, Amy is seeing this coaster flecked with red and she she derives power from past instances of shame but in this instance it's a future instance of shame and that gives her the ability for that fluid that leaks from her feet to do what it does and she keeps seeing this out of context event from her future where this paper white paper coaster that has flecks of red on it and she that's where the power from the shame comes from and she uses that, but she doesn't know what the event is. And if you want to hear about the sequel to this, I have to spoil this first miniseries. If you don't want to hear about the sequel, then let's just leave it at. I really think you should read these because they're they're amazingly dense work by an artist who I don't think gets his his deserved due. I think Sam Keith is a very, very rich, conceptual well. And people tend to think of the Max and maybe stop there. But there's a lot more to Sam Keith than just that whole character. And there's an instance in in Zero Girl where uh, Tim has a a VW, a, a Beetle, a Volkswagen Beetle. And he's like, yeah, I bought this from Julie. My friend Julie, so he links this mini series to the max with just the drop of one name, right? Um, See, so do you want to hear about the the follow up, or do you
1: don't? Spring it, dude! You don't all, right. Ask her, all right,
0: okay. So there's this thing that she derives power from—a uh, a coaster flecked with red—and she doesn't know. When it will happen, where it comes from in her timeline, but it's a source of great embarrassment to her and shame. The the strongest source that she's ever experienced in her life. So she draws power from it. Turns out she does go back to Tim three years later, meets him in a diner. They're holding hands and he's like, I'm glad you came back because I think this could be the start of our beautiful and he says friendship and he equates it to them being friends see Tim in the interim Tim got married and had a daughter Amy waited for him she didn't think he he didn't think she would so he moved on had a daughter and she went in fully expecting him to have waited for her and he didn't and as she's leaving the diner the doily, the the coaster gets ketchup on it, and that's the moment of great shame. That is the source of all of her power in this miniseries. <laughs> but but yeah, and it's amazing. It it's heartbreaking because you you know these two characters are meant for each other, regardless of the fact that Amy was underage when they first met. And in the follow up, the da- uh, Zero Girl Full Circle. Tim, Tim's daughter, Nikki, is not integrating well with her classmates. She's in her teens, and the wife is out of the picture. He's he's a, 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 a solo parent, doesn't know how to deal with this girl, and he looks up the woman that's at the forefront of everything he does in life, Amy, and he asks Amy to counsel his daughter. And Amy's like... So this is what I get. I get I don't get the man. I get the job of counseling the man's daughter. But as as an opportunity to somehow get back in touch with him, she does it. Turns out that Tim's daughter is attracted to women and doesn't know how to deal with it. And she's a tomboy and she's she's a bully in school and she she bullies this one girl named Name uh, Rat, who's this unattractive um, lesbian teenager, and um, the the Rat is obviously attracted to Nikki, and vice versa. But Nikki won't admit it, and so Amy comes to to counsel Nikki, and Nikki falls in love with Amy, much like mm. Amy, Amy fell in love with her father many years ago. It's awesome but it in order to complete the cycle of awesome you have to read both of them you -hmm. can't can't just read the first one and say okay i'm done you have to read full circle to get the benefit of the first miniseries and the squares come back into play and eventually tim and amy become a couple which is great it's the payoff but it's not the complete payoff and I'm not going to reveal that you should read these Mm -hmm. zero girl and zero girl full circle are amazing works. Mm -hmm. They really are. Sam Keith writes women. I don't know what the guy, how he's plugged in to the female psyche, but I would place Keith's grasp of femininity and the womanhood and just that totally alien way of thinking that I would never be able to write I would place him on the same level as the Brothers Hernandez he gets women he can speak in the female voice I don't know how he does it but his women are believable as women not as a woman written by a man right Like, there's some guys that write great women. I'd throw Greg Rucka in there, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, But Sam Keith's women, like Los Brothers, Los Bros, they don't feel like women written by men. They feel like women being channeled through men. Like real women, not female characters. Women. And I guess that's the best compliment I could give the guy. His women are believable as women, um, and the art is just breathtaking. There's—I didn't give you the credits on this, but obviously written and drawn by uh, Sam Keith, but there's additional inks by Jim Sinclair and Alex Sinclair did the colors. Uh, visually, I think it's breathtaking. It's not as um, outlandish as the Max. The layouts are pretty. St- they're about as standard and straightforward as Sam Keith is ever going to get. So there's that. Like it, it, he doesn't do angular panels or um, really askew things or, or very eye threatening work on this. It's it's upfront. It's all um, easily digestible until it's not. Right. So. But his, his figure drawing is gorgeous in this book. Yeah. Uh I think you should try it. And it it's it's old, so you'll be able to pull it out of the, the, the cheapy bins for like next to nothing. But if you see it, grab it. Zero girl and zero girl foot circle.
1: Well you're definitely coming at me at the right time having just read Eleanor and Egret and enjoying it so much.
0: Visually it's much more accomplished than uh, mm-hmm. Eleanor and the Egret. I I, I don't want to... Yeah, fuck it. I'm going to compare them. Um, <laughs> I, I think Eleanor and the Egret is Sam's version of minimalism.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: About as much as Sam could be minimalistic. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of intense line work. And painting in uh, Zero Girl. Like, there's some uh, depictions of Amy where she is just, I mean, you'll fall in love with her. She's a kid, but I think in Sam's hands, she's not so much a kid. Like she's obviously, um, more mature than the average 16 year old. Mm -hmm. Um, and he draws her in more often than not. He'll draw her in, not flat out sexy poses, but sexy ish poses, and it, you know as I'm reading this, I'm almost feeling kind of slimy that I'm thinking this underage girl is attractive, but maybe that was the point to put us in the same position as Tim, where yeah this this underage girl is very attractive, but it's it's taboo, it's verboten, and he knows that, and we know that so he pushes away and and it creates this rift between them that really makes the second story possible like i got to give props to tim he doesn't act on it i don't know Good. if yeah yeah um it's just great stuff beautiful beautiful
1: illustration mhm check it out check it check it out
0: look at that it's another uh, i had no plans of reading this for this week obviously but yeah. there it was.
1: Now, I may be um, setting, uh, setting you up here unintentionally, but based on your response last week about your lack of enthusiasm for movies, but are you even a little excited, I hope, about the fact that DCE shocked the world by announcing they're going to make a new Gods movie? Or does this fall into your soliloquy from last week where... No. You don't want to see new gods in on in another medium.
0: No, I'd like to get into that a little bit. I mean, we got a letter. Do you? Is would that be fair game? Going into that, what we got some cri- criticism about. It. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh,
1: I forgot all about that. Actually, I wasn't going. I wasn't yeah. going down that road. But sure.
0: No, I mean, I. Again, I, 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 maybe I should explain my previous, but, um. Like I said, the two mediums. Uh, mediums of comics and the medium of of, um, film, they're not the same animal. They don't walk the same, talk the same. They don't act the same. Okay, that's a given. Um, When you're talking Kirby, the chances of them even approximating the power of new gods on the screen, really close to zero with me. So, yeah, I'm excited that the fact that they're perpetuating these characters... But I'm not going to hold out hope that it would even be one-tenth of what Jack brought to the page. I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not expecting much, mm-hmm. especially with DC's track record. How can you fuck up Superman?
1: Well, on that front, though, I think the other good news is that uh, Ava DuVernay is attached to be the director. So, I, again, I have to give I
0: don't know DC credit
1: is. from... What's that?
0: I don't know who that is.
1: She just did the Wrinkle in Time movie. I don't know what that for for Disney? Okay. You know, okay. Um she Selma. Yeah, I mean she she's a uh um reasonably young uh female black uh, director who as David said first came to acclaim with uh well Selma, but she did a movie uh, called Middle of Nowhere, I think, a few years before that, but um and then she she was um uh, Selma was nominated for Academy Award for Best Picture. She was not nominated for director for that, but that was kind of controversial. But uh, And then she was chosen by Disney to do A Wrinkle in Time, which is their big budget um, movie about that book, the fantasy book, which came out, I think, a week or two ago. So, um, yeah, I mean, she's, she's definitely um, a, a young, creative voice that's not of a certain sort of uh she she's about as far away from Zack Schneider as he as you can get. Cool. Put it that way. That's, yeah, what, yeah. They,
0: that's what they need.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. So yeah. so um so my point being there is I I do think like it's it's an inspired, surprising choice for a director. Much uh you know I think so much respect there. I gotta give him props for that. And um look I mean I think we have to judge all of these things by what they are when they come out. Um it has the potential to be amazing has potential to be a flop, but I gotta say I'm I'm pretty stoked just because I never thought we'd see them view the New Gods as something they commercialize. And why shouldn't they though? Right? Because, right. like we said, why on earth would anyone have thought that Thor would be a hit before? I mean, nobody on outside of comics knew who Thor was, and it just didn't seem like something that would have commercial appeal, and it did. So, yeah. um, I'm all for it. But
0: well, you know, I think it's um, shame on DC for not realizing that New Gods could have been the linchpin for their entire franchise. You you could have introduced Superman through New Gods, right? Uh, It it would have worked well, but because I mean maybe not the linchpin, but a nice corner of their universe Mm -hmm. where you know Marvel has the tech and the 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 extra normal with Thor, the the godlike, and then they have the street with like Daredevil and Punisher and Spider Man and um there there's so many facets to the marvel universe where dc right. is like i don't know dark mm-hmm. <laughs> that's just the only way i can put it they're dark and and i think that they need they need a bunch of different avenues to get people into the the the, the theater wonder woman was a start i guess but yeah yeah for sure it's just for everything marvel's doing right dc's doing wrong
1: well, they have been. I mean, again, I think you just said, you know, like, every new movie is a... Every next film that comes out is a chance for Marvel to screw it up after a long streak of wins and for DC to start getting it right. And I think Wonder Woman was definitely a step in the right direction um, for sure. And I do think that each of these films is by different directors with different screenwriters. And so I just think we have to be in the habit of, of judging them on their own, not right, not right. what came before them. But
0: the, the fact that Tim Gunn just slaughtered Guardians of the Galaxy, and he was relatively well, yeah, he was. He was untested. I, I, I love trauma, so I knew who the guy was. But the majority of the people, he was would the, Tim be
1: related to, to, to James Gunn? He's, Jim Gunn, he's
0: in a relative, uh, he's a relative unknown, right? So maybe this girl, or this woman could do the same thing for DC that Tim Gunn did for Marvel is what I was trying to say but
1: um, but I think it's it's, it's, James, it's James Gunn, Gunn. that's James, what I'm
0: saying James Gunn um yes so yeah they they need new blood the, the guys that have been doing it obviously aren't doing it right or it's yeah i mean how do you talk about the DC universe movies without shitting on them they're just bad they're bad movies they're not fun
1: well, no, I mean, I, I can't, I can't co-sign that. Again, I, I'm not, I'm not going to suggest that. That, and look, DC themselves wouldn't suggest that that their films have had the success that uh, that Marvels have. But again, you know, we do have conveniently exclude for some reason anytime people bring up the DC films, the 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 Nolan Batman films, which were hella commercially successful and largely critically acclaimed. So I, I don't know why we exclude those from the lore. Um, well, because
0: because there's th- two of them.
1: There's are, three of them, actually. Yeah, uh, there's two
0: of them that are good.
1: Okay, but that's two massive successes. Right. And, again, lots of people, myself included, thought Wonder Woman was great. In fact, I thought Wonder Woman was a much better film than for Ragnarok as a comparison. Um, and while I won't say that Justice League was great by any stretch i i enjoyed it so as did many people so again i think we need to stop this narrative that like oh dc can't make good movies they they can and have been making plenty of good movies they're not i think it's unfair to compare them to marvel because marvel's in this ridiculous zeitgeist right now where anything they touch is pretty much i, I think mega it's, successful
0: yeah but i think it's very telling that the successes dc has had in terms of the vision of their movies approximating what we get from the comics, the noteworthy ones are very, very few. The majority of the DC movies are not good. They, they do I
1: think you're just you're, you're basically just talking about Zack Snyder. The Zack Snyder era. Yeah, yeah era. okay. DC DCEU The, the, the Snyder, okay. Stuff for standalones. Yeah, they're, okay. They're I, not, I agree with that. They're their um, own thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, yeah. That's the,
3: a good way to put it. Yeah, basically the, the Zack DC Snyder movies are crap. Stuff. Right, and yeah. I mean, you could say that bluntly. There, there are, um, there, they're just. It's not. You know, I, if you look at the Christopher Reeve stuff, okay, you might think it's 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 dated or or. But Superman, is as as an idea, should that should be what what Donner and and Reeve did should. It should have been the blueprint. That right, and and you and I are on the same page there. And I, I, I get trying to to make it more modern or a um, or just give it for the, make it for 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 this generation. But there are still certain certain notes, certain beats that should be hit yeah. when you're talking about Superman, and you can't have Jonathan Kent. It, you know, it's just there's so. If you don't want to bog it down with history and and say you know there's over seventy five years of Superman and and this is who this is the type of character he's always been. There's still when 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 someone thinks of Superman when you when you hear that word, I think it just conjures up something familiar, something. Expected and that's not what right. Snyder did. Snyder made a great Ultraman movie. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's a full JMS Hyperion movie, but it's not. It's not Superman. And and there's a the,
0: there's a fundamental disconnect when the the dude making the movie doesn't realize that the character stands for hope. Exactly. If if yeah, if, I know. And, why, and why, hope, I'm, is I'm not, hope is why, not hope is not dark. Why
1: devolving back into a thousand? rip of the schneider batman well, what stuff. i'm like, saying is we're, we're well on record as there are lots of people not liking those films and i just feel like i don't want this okay. to be like oh here they yeah, go I hating know. those films right. again like, right. like like we we, we were on record painful. we didn't like those films they're painful uh, but okay but they're they're also done okay they're in the past they came out we saw them we didn't like them like that voice, uh, uh, voice of
0: reason voice of reason i'm right. saying
1: we're i'm talking about <laughs> the last dc film we got was wonder woman in a kicked ass well, no, it was Justice League. No, okay, Justice League. which, again, I know you didn't love it necessarily, but I enjoyed it. Many people that were friends with and listened enjoyed it. The, the critics enjoyed it well enough. It got the same kind of Rotten Tomatoes ratings as the last few Marvel films, except for Black Panther, which is its own thing, which is great. My point is, so many would argue they're on a two two-film streak, and I think Ava DuVernay is a bold and exciting choice for a film in that ilk. So I'm saying, like don't hate celebrate. Like if you don't no, like cool. judge it on its own, like I just think it's ridiculous to like, I, I hate that this has devolved into, well, we, we can't not bring up how much the other films suck. Why not? Like, cause I think people, frankly, I think Marvel often lately has ridden on the coattails of people perceiving Marvel movies to be good. I think critically, a bunch of the last 10 have not been very good films, I think, but we rely on the fact that they're bright and cheery and the cinematography is awesome that we say, oh, that's another awesome Marvel movie. Like, I think, critically, half of the last ten Marvel films have not been very good. But, I think they do stand up the best of time.
3: And the, the... Maybe not so much the flip side of that is, but when... I don't think if someone were to say, well, Justice League wasn't as bad as Dawn of Justice, I don't think that should give anyone a pass there either. The movies should stand on their own. I mean yes, I mean they're with the DCEU and the MCU they're they're telling a larger story, but each movie should be should be judged on its own. And and I don't think it's fair to to look at a movie and just and and give, for example, Justice League a pass because someone enjoyed it more. Than what came before it, and I'm still looking at Justice League as as its own thing. And it, it no, it it, it didn't knock my socks off. I mean, I was I, I was glad to see some things, but there, I I know that there, I definitely see your point with with the MCU stuff, and and if if uh, you know, if someone does not think Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is as good as volume one or wasn't as good as doctor strange, or if, if there are certain, certain things that they're not getting, whether, um, the flame is kind of faded and, and they're just not as excited. But I, I really do just want people to judge what they see. They on within those, those two hours and change from, from when they sit there ass in the seat until the credits are over. And then the, however many stingers are attached to it, but it's just, I don't, I don't want, Yes, we do compare things all the time. But I, if 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 you just saw the movie, tell me what you thought of that movie, don't don't really put it in a box where if if I liked this, then I'll like that. Just just tell me what you thought about this particular movie.
1: Yes, that that's all I'm saying. Exactly. I I got no issue with people not liking Justice League. I mean, that's fine. But I don't like. I just don't like that. I feel like sometimes that narrative sounds like we're saying that Marvel can do no wrong. And DC can do no right. I just don't think that's
3: objectively true. That is no, it, it's not, and it shouldn't be. And I don't. Yeah. And and when I and it's if I, I I know that there are there are times where I will come across as not being a Zack Snyder fan. And the thing is, with with these movies, with the DC movies, I have such an affinity for these characters that I don't and this is me I don't like seeing them mismanaged and if someone else loves that version of it more power to you I'm not going to say anybody is wrong I'm not going to say you know you're silly for liking that when I look at that that's not the character I see so my when I'm bothered by it it's just because of of and that's that's my baggage I'm bringing to it but it's still not um it's if i keep harping on it it's just because i feel like it was it was a missed opportunity and it's i'm not going out of my way to bash anybody i just i i don't like seeing the things i love mistreated yeah
0: i agree with you and and for me it's as soon as you establish something like Justice League, where, to me, having read comics for X amount of years, when I look at the stills from that movie, I obviously, I'll be honest, I haven't seen it. I have no desire to see it. When I see stills from this thing, and I see the movie poster, and I see the clips from the movie, and it has this dark, overcast tone and these characters that look nothing like the characters that I remember. Maybe Batman does. Um, okay, Wonder Woman does too. But it just when I don't have confidence in the people making the movie, I won't go to see it. I
1: won't. Sure, but but again, that's because you're. Then we're back to the. It's the Zack Snyder. I I think it's perfectly rational that you can judge a Zack Snyder film based on your previous experiences with a Zack Snyder film. Like that right. is logical. Yeah, but I don't think that has anything to do with. But the taint what the Aquaman film was no, but it, but it shouldn't though. That's right, what I'm saying. Shouldn't. the thing; it
0: shouldn't. The taint of Snyder has pervaded the entire
1: DC universe. But you, but it doesn't, because what do you mean by the entire DC universe? We've had we've had the Snyder films. We've had a Wonder Woman film, which was fantastic and was not tainted by that. Right, and that's it. That is what we've had so far. Right, but you. You We're have, getting an Aquaman film, which we haven't seen yet. What I'm saying We're is, getting,
0: it reduces my confidence in that they've allowed this guy to make these movies. Reduces my confidence in the fact that subsequent movies will be any good. And right, uh, the, pr- and the what proof I'm saying is in is the pudding.
1: I, I understand that you feel that way. I just don't think that's necessarily fair. Just as I think that Thor: The Dark World was not. Thor was not Ragnarok. They're three extremely different films. Yeah. Yes, they're a trilogy, but they're extremely different films in tone, in pacing, in in the choice of the depiction of the main characters in the story arc in the, you know, I, I just think like they're vastly different films and so I got to judge each one on its own, right? That's like good. so that's good. my point is is like that's all I'm saying, like so I don't like I don't same thing with like Deadpool two coming up. Like we were talking about, I, Tim Miller directed. I mean, I hope Deadpool two is awesome because I love the first one, but I don't know that it's going to be awesome. Like right. I'll have to wait and see, you know. And, and you know, um, truth
0: be told, I, I didn't think Guardians two was as good as Guardians one. There are parts right. of Guardians two that are yeah. better than Guardians right. one, but the whole film, right. I thought the ego thing was ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and no, I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you yeah, know, your but, mileage will will vary, right? Depending on your yeah. your Um, but the package
0: was much more attractive to me the overall package was more attractive to me than what i have
1: seen from dc and i think that's where if 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 dc can let filmmakers visually visualize the film in their own way they'll be much better off yeah i agree I, i think i think and i think that by hook or by crook, they've come to that conclusion. I think for a while they it were convinced that enough. they would build off the Snyder um, vibe, but it's clear, I think, at this point, that that was not the vibe that a lot of people wanted to see continue. Yeah, so,
0: stop giving this guy money. Stop giving Zack well, Snyder money. Stop. They, they do, have.
2: Yeah.
0: They have. But do you think, all right, objectively, do you think the damage to that universe is irreparable? Do you think they can ever make no, bound oh, look at that? Wonder Woman.
1: Of course not, look at what Woman. But
0: that's just one small step.
1: It's the first solo movie since the Snyderverse started. All right. Uh, that's what I'm saying. So no, we already have evidence that they won't. Yeah, Wonder Woman f- was a smash success.
0: Okay, he fucked up the big dog, though. He, to me, that's... <laughs> that's uh, all right, we won't go there anymore. Screw Zack Snyder, it's not enough. He's not important That's like unless-
1: saying, what, is Marvel dumb to have bought Disney dumb to have bought the Fox assets because the Fantastic Four is so fucked up from the three movies we've already gotten. Of course not. They're one reboot away from it being badass and everyone talking how cool the Fantastic Four is. Hopefully right?
0: that's true. Hopefully that would be true. Yeah.
1: Was 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 Spider-Man Homecoming doomed to fail because we got fucking Jamie Foxx as an electro in the movie before? I haven't seen it. No. Okay, but it didn't fail though, and a lot of people loved it. So I'm just saying, like, these movies, these are it's just like in the comics. Like they're one new creative team away from being bad or the suck again. And that's why it's amazing
0: that. that they can sink that much money into it where a single movie costing hundreds of millions of dollars can be analogous to a couple of guys with some paper and pencils and ink and just telling another story about the Fantastic 4 like it boggles my mind that we're talking like gra relatively grassroots with the creative process and then you have this other arena where it's inconceivable amounts of money and yet they're making a profit artistically and creatively like it's just but I, I just can't wrap my, my, my mind around that
1: well if you want to go down that route you should look at the economics of video games these days yeah. I mean, some of these video games sell, sell a billion dollars crazy which is insane and some they mean, give
0: giveaway <laughs> like that
1: yeah you know this fortnite thing is uh actually hurting the video game stocks mm. why because it's free because it's fr- well be- more because it- every kid is playing it nonstop stop and not playing other things uh,
0: i was told to tell you that the solo count has now risen to 10
1: 10 mm. mm. well then i must i must in good conscience tell you that colin now has two solo victories under oh.
0: sweet good yes. man yes he was
1: very relieved the other day when he came upstairs looking spent, like he had just run a like a decathlon, <laughs> just, being like, "Oh,
2: I got a solo win."
0: From what I've uh. seen, it's a tough game. It 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 incorporates elements of like Minecraft and right. Yeah, it's, it's not nuts. my speed
1: because I've never been into those. I'm just slightly too old to have ever gotten into those first person shooter games. But but uh, it does seem fun. It seems yeah. like a fun idea.
0: But what my son has done is he's bought dances. And when he beats someone, yeah, he yeah, does he just, that stupid... Yeah. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, act like you've been there. Don't, mm. don't do
1: the dads. No, I know. Don't. He's one of those, huh?
0: Yeah, he's, he rubs it in their faces.
1: All right, before we do our uh, wrap-ups, we got, uh, we'll ask... Well, our man Hassan's got a question for us. Um, DC and Marvel put out lots of collections of older material. Is there a collection or collections that you wish that DC or Marvel would do that they haven't yet? Yes. Speak on
0: it. Yep. Um, Not so much DC. They pretty much have collected everything I want to see. If not, I have the singles. Uh, But I wish Marvel would get the legal whatever unwrapped and give us a a ROM omnibus. A -a omnibus. Yeah. And, And a Micronauts omnibus. We need. Yeah, we, those. We those need are those. There. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But that's those are the obvious answers. No, nah, but that's cool. What else hasn't been collected? Godzilla. A nice Godzilla omnibus would be great. Wouldn't
1: be cool. Warriors.
0: Yeah, human fly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's a, <laughs> Come on, definitely.
0: Frank. There's Frank Robbins in there. That was good stuff. Uh,
1: for me, it would be. Uh, I would love a Strikeforce moratorium omnibus. Yes. that's a good one. I, I would. That's I can't believe we don't have an Excalibur omnibus. That I don't know what's up with that. That seems like something that would have been done five times already. Yeah. Um. That's crazy to me. Uh. I would love a new universe omnibus. <laughs> well, dude, I love that. You. Oh my god, I loved that stuff, dude. <laughs> no, I did. I loved Not- it.
3: Kickers, really? Yes, yes thanks. Been trying to troubleshoot. Yep, I Merc, think there's Mark Hazard.
1: I think there's three Starbrand, Justice. I'm, I was down with
3: all of it. Yeah. Nightmask, or yeah. whatever that Dreamscape, whatever that Vanquish really? uh, yeah. movie was. The, on. the
0: only ones I enjoyed were Nightmask, Starbrand, and um,
1: Dude Kickers Inc. Come on, no, I enjoyed Cyforce, Cyforce Seven, yeah, yeah, and Starbrand. Dude, Justice was dope.
3: In, Justice had moments, but
1: Justice was like Punisher with uh, the exactly. gray hair. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho, um, well, those it, are, it, I, you know, DC, I do, I feel like DC's done a better job of like, not better, I mean, but they, they have, I can't think offhand of of anything that they haven't collected that I would obviously want to have. Omega See, they Men.
3: Do, they, well, what? Oh, the old, uh, the whole Omega Men. Yeah. Um. Mm, okay. Okay. There's the. Um, I would. I would love some milestone collections, especially Worlds Collide. Now the thing is, mm, is, you got me DC. There. DC does. They'll. They'll do collections. They'll do trades. They. They. You know. There's. There's Panic in the Sky. So they'll do arcs. Um. There's the. The first volume of of Vigilante, but they. What. Makes you scratch my head is the Superboy book one Trouble in Paradise that collects zero through ten or eleven includes the two issues of Superboy that <laughs> tied into Worlds Collide. So yeah. it's like so here it is in numerical order and or chronological order, but we are not taking out these two issues that are part of a story that you now have to go back issue diving for to find yeah. out what the hell's going on here. And, you know, I, I respect the, the archivalness of it, mm-hmm. but there's just, it's, you're, you're going to read that. And you're just going to be like, I just, I, I mean, that's, and listen, when we started reading comics back in the day, the three of us, we, 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 we were thrown in to the deep end of the pool. You know, we were in X-Men, Fantastic Four. These were all in the hundreds. So, you know, you went, but I mean, here's a collection. I mean, DC went and curated this and said, okay, here's, here's these books. Here are these issues that we're reprinting and putting in this, in in this one big tome. And we're going to include these two. And it's just that boggles my mind. And, uh, so so yes,
0: credit. I think while you brought up the subject, how we had to go back issue diving just to catch up the hardest book to catch up on or the hardest part of the Marvel universe to catch up on were the mutant books. It was oh, tough. Sure. It was really tough. Cause I came into X-Men around, I don't know, 98. Mm-hmm. I never read them before that. And I was like, damn, this looks cool. And I had to find out who all these damn characters were. It was not easy to to jump into the X-Men pool.
2: Mhm.
0: Whereas Fantastic 4 it was just like all right, I There's got the this. Family. I got yeah. this. Yeah.
3: And I mean and if you are going back that far with X-Men, I mean shortly before that you had those reprints anyway. So I mean that's if if you're back issue diving and you're looking for for issues to to cross off your checklist if because the covers are different from the original runs it's it's not going you know and then you 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 buy an issue you buy issue you know 72 and it's like it's the same issue from 32 and you're like well what the hell did i so there are there are um i i think you're right because everything else the the x-men stuff the Avengers stuff everything else that i would have wanted to buy uh were pretty easy to Mm -hmm. find and then and then you'd get the you know then you'd get the frank miller daredevil uh, so, but, but then... And
0: then you never had it back as you'd been dive for Superman or Batman. Because they were basically, more often than not, done in ones anyway.
3: Right. Um, has, uh, there hasn't been a Power Pack collection, right? No, I don't think so, no. No. Damn. Uh, yeah, no, there, there aren't, it's true, there, there are, um, you know, I mean, a few years ago, I probably would have said the New Teen Titans but they're doing this on the buses yes. uh, so there isn't there and what's weird is anything that I would want collected the back issues are crazy cheap anyway I have all 32 issues of the losers that would be cool to have as a collection but you'd be able to find those issues for probably less than the price of an oversized hardcover
1: mm-hmm. I don't know I don't think they've ever put out a an omnibus
3: of the question. I'd be down with that. Oh, I read much shit. Of that. Yeah. Not an omnibus, but they've done trades. No, I know. I know, I know no. that. No, yeah. I know this. Yeah.
0: I think it would probably take, what was it, 38 issues that it lasted? And a couple annuals? It, it mm-hmm. crossed over with Green Arrow yeah. a, <laughs> a couple times. But, I mean, it's less than 50. Yeah. So maybe it would be two omnibus. Yeah, a uh, question would be perfect. Yep. And Dynamite has reprinted the uh, Helfer Sinkevich um Shadow. So that's that's covered. Mhm. But uh and Kyle Baker. But what else from DC would I want to see reprinted? E- everything big has been like Yeah. It'd be nice to see Haywire, a Haywire collection or I don't know. Like the weird Giffen stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think the Heckler and Video Jack, well, which was Marvel.
3: They're uh, epic, yeah. Yeah, like
0: yeah. G- Giffen has done a lot of weird, short-lived series that I think would be neat to be collected. But um, I don't know. How about Kazar? Is there a Kazar omnibus? No. That'd be cool.
1: Well, what did it reprint you think,
0: though? How about Submar- with well, the Astonishing Tales stuff? Mm hmm. Um how about Submariner? Not the burn stuff.
1: Yeah, no. Mm mm. That should be I weird. mean there isn't one, no. Yeah. Yep. Right,
0: that's good stuff. I mean, uh yeah. Yeah. Cool. I love these questions. Let's do another one real quick.
1: All right, one more. One more for the road. Um Okay, let's see. All right, here's an interesting one. Peter Drummond asks, "What story that you've already read do you find yourselves
3: habitually returning to, and why?" Batman, <laughs> Grendel. Okay. How often? Stunned. Uh, stunned. About, at, at about once a year. Whew. Okay. Um. And it was um not not Dark Knight. Oh, Born Again. Yeah. That's not that's not as it. Annually. That's, that's, but that is definitely one. It uh, gets read quite a bit. Um, those are the two that immediately pop into my head.
1: Vince? Jason. Jason. Uh, this is definitely not a question geared toward me. I, I am not a re watcher or a re reader of most things. Um, the only and I'm presuming, even though Peter doesn't specify, I'm presuming he means comics, since he's asking us in in the context of the show. Um, There are a number of books that I reread relatively often. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide, all of those I've read probably four times through. Uh, uh, The Stand, I've read three or four times. Um, A couple of the Cormac McCarthy's books, I've read multiple times. Um, But, yeah, in general, I I don't... Now, I have reread a lot of comics, but it's often in the context of the show or um, when a reprint comes out, and I'll I'll read it when I get the reprint, but it's not... But, like, habitual? He says habitual. I, I don't... The only thing, maybe, that would count for this would be Watchmen, because I've probably read it five or six times, but, I mean, even that, I don't... I don't even feel like that's habitual. That is, again, because... Like I read it before the movie came out. I read it when the absolute came out. I, you know, um, so it's again. It's not like I sit down once a year and think, oh, I got to reread that. So I I don't know that. I don't know that I'm that guy. Yeah.
0: I don't reread stuff. well, that's a lie. (laughs) Um, like big runs. I don't reread a lot. Um, I guess the. The run I've read at Marvel the most would probably be Howard the Duck. I've read that about six times. Wow. Yeah. It's worth it. Um, And David's going to laugh, but I've reread DK2 far more than Dark Knight Returns.
3: Mm -hmm. Dark Knight Returns used to be one I'd read um, every so often. It ha- I, I haven't read it in a while. I think the last time... When when we did our little roundtable on it, I think the last, the last time I really sat down and read it. You should mm-hmm. read DK2. It's great. No, I did once. I'm, I'm good.
0: No, you should read it like every year. Actually, I
3: read it twice now. It's so good. Uh, if I, if, I had, if if I wanted to read three issues, um, I would... <laughs> I'd find... I'd find three
0: other issues. Oh, I got a good one. hmm The and, it, and it's out of left field. I reread the Critical Mass series. That Marvel. Okay. That I, I don't know why I read that thing at least once a year. Saint George. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I loved the Powerline books, and Critical Mass was when it all came to a head. Uh, there's something about that series that I just adore. I, I adore the artwork. I adore the story. It was unlike anything that anybody was doing at the time. It predated a lot of the the uh, uh, revisionist or deconstructive-ist uh, superheroing that DC later did. Uh, Critical Mass is awesome. That's, that's all I could say. And, and I hmm. go back to it all the time. Nice. Yep. All right. You want to bring this puppy home? Bring it home. All right. As usual, this here thing has been brought to you by Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com, where you can get your books getting fast, getting delivered right to your door for a pittance, a mere fraction of that number that's printed on the cover. For example, from uh, Marvel. Yes, Marvel. Amazing Spider-Man number 800- for 4.99 dc nation number 0 for 12 cents what and red sonya tarzan number 1 $1.99 in your travels i know the guys aren't cut up on this so i'm not going to go into deep 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 detail but um the act 1 of redlands has just completed uh, Jordy Belair it's so cute. Jordy it's Belair. why do you have it on your thing that you read? He it? refuses
1: to room Slack. I know. We're we're both th- we're both All through right. issue six, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Uh, Jordy Belair, <laughs> uh Vanessa Del Rey, Clayton Cowles Just when you think you know where a series is going, they pull the rug out from underneath you. Like I thought, Redlands was about the uh, the hunt. For Redbrandt, the serial killer, it's anything but. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a testament to the uh, creative team, Jordy and Vanessa and Clayton. This book genuinely disturbs me. Um, I, I love the paranormal, and yes, that's a part of this book, but it's the human interaction that really shocks in this thing. Um, uh, Talking about Nancy and everything that she's gone through and the lengths that Nancy's going to to get revenge on Daddy. It's crazy and totally unexpected. Didn't see it coming. Uh, How could you, right? Uh, But um, I love Redlands. I I think this is one of those books... That we always say this that is tailor made for our sensibilities. Redlands is is fashioned for me. I love everything about it. So go read it. It's
2: I like
3: only, it.
0: It's only six issues.
3: It's only six issues. On the last page, uh, they say that it is the the last issue of the current book of the first arc. Yeah, uh, it'll be back later this year. Yep. It was weird I, I got to the end of the sixth issue, and i I think I'm going to reread um
0: you almost have to, yeah,
3: you do because I wasn't this if anything, the whole thing with redbrandt that that felt like the end of an arc that would have been a good place to end it this 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 didn't feel like it was tacked on, but it just this didn't feel like the end of of a chapter for me Mm -hmm.
0: but the build-up was crazy you had this cat and mouse thing with red brandt and the 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 trio and um we got to get this guy and then all of a sudden like it's over but the incident was the linchpin that propelled the next three issues the real story yeah and I, I, I'll be honest. And the back I,
3: I matter, holy coming. crap! The it's back nuts. matter is 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 so. I mean, we've we've talked about how you know certain there's back matter. You know, you you should read to get some insight and or, or to find out what the creators are thinking. But the back matter is so important. With her her notebook was gut wrenching.
0: Killed me that that holy
3: kind of, shit and then and then the whole thing with Town and 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 the little brochure for the t- it's just it's i was surprised wow. at
0: what they got away with on that sparkletown thing because <laughs> not not that i've read many issues of hustler but <laughs> if, if, if if you've you've paged through an issue of hustler there's a point where you you're you're barraged by these little two by two advertisements that are basically nothing but naked women uh, and sometimes men with, with stars over the parts that were a little too explicit
3: uh, mm-hmm. you
0: know I'm Gina call me you know or I'm blah 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 for a good time D- mm-hmm. WWW Gina does you know whatever mm-hmm. and that's all the, the end of that issue is it's just semi naked women and you know it's it looks like an ad for this Sparkle Town thing or, or what. It's it's uh, it's amazing what they've done with this book. It, uh, But the notebook was the hard part for me. How she's yeah. talking about the boy at the record shop and oh. and, and how he touched mm-hmm. her. And I didn't think men could touch women without hurting them. It's like, oh, God, kill me. This is just too hard to read. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing. It pushes you into very uncomfortable places.
2: Mm-hmm. And,
0: and if you read um the end of issue six, Jordy says that a lot of the the impetus for what has come before was uncomfortable instances in her own life that she translated yeah. to right. the book. So yeah, art imitates life, imitates art. So it's 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 just great stuff. And it's dark AF.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a book where where the art is definitely fitting to the story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, In your travels, I will go with... Because I read it tonight um, before we got together. I talked about the first issue quite a bit. Uh, Actually, we all did. Um, The second issue of Deathbed. By Joshua Williamson and yes. Riley Rossmo, a um, little different than the first issue. Self-centered motherfucker, and and that's the thing. And that's that. I I was concerned at the beginning, especially with everybody's names and their alliteration. But I was concerned that uh, that Luna may be a bit delusional. That these are all uh, taking into account. Um, what uh Valentine saw on his deathbed in the first issue, um, I was a little worried that this all just might that because because they keep looking for people to corroborate Luna's story and these people are all dead, that he'll there's a chance that maybe he's a fraud, but. The way the way Williamson has the um, has the characters speaking with one another and and how, like Jason said, he's he's a little self-centered maybe more than a little, but he 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 has a tendency to feel, to believe to uh, that that his life, that everybody is a part of his story. we're all just along. For the ride uh, the ride that is his life and it's explained to him in the in this second issue that that everybody everybody's life is their own story everybody has their own chapters and and they may intersect and we may cross over but you are not the be-all and end all so uh, as as they were having this conversation it it um I I no longer believe that this was all just um just bullshit and uh that there may actually be some uh some truth to what Toa Luna is saying. But it, it was a fantastic issue where we get um we get a little bit more of a glimpse of, of uh of his life and the people that, that he's met along the way. And like I said, they're all trying to. Since she's still, since since Valentine is still trying to write Luna's story, every time they um they they go to meet someone else, uh, so she can get more background information on Luna. That person is dead, and uh, there is a um there's one in partic- there's one person in particular who they show up. For her wake and uh, and things don't go too well there and I absolutely love Riley's work here because was, I mean not only that, that double page spread where he's talking about um, Maggie and, and the time they spent together but to give you a sense of how tall Luna is he is hunched over because the top of almost every panel is pushing him down and 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 it's everybody else is especially valentine but but obviously nobody is as tall as him in the book so he has to kind of hunch down to to be in your face but riley has he rarely stands up straight in this entire issue um which far as i'm concerned just emphasizes how tall he's supposed to be but um riley's art is still absolutely killer i love the look of luna i um the facial hair the 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 brow it's it's just it's a it's a gorgeous book and uh as much as i dug the first issue didn't know where we were going but i was i was i was along for the ride um I'm, i'm completely strapped in with the second i um I'll be reading this for as, as uh for as long as it's going. So in your travels, check out Deathbed Number Two. Co signed.
1: Co signed. Nice. You still you still you still vibing on our girl though? You still loving her?
3: I am, especially when she smacked him, and put him in his place. Mm-hmm.
1: Little Zoftig for my taste, but she's a cool character.
3: Yeah. I, I just want to see her with the hair down. That's what I'm waiting for.
1: Mm-hmm. I get you, I get you. I feel you freaky dicky. Um, <laughs> all right, in your travels, uh a book that I'm 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 very very happy to to know exists because uh we met Alessandro Maselli probably what 5 years
3: ago now? That. Uh, yeah,
1: give or take, right? Um met a dug his style commissioned something from him on the spot been uh, getting stuff from him ever since. And, um, really because of, of meeting him at the con and, 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 and liking his, his his style, he really hadn't done any American comic work, um, of of note in these last bunch of years. Um, I'd just been sort of on the grind doing the, doing the commissions and, and doing some commercial stuff in Europe. But, uh, but his aspiration, he's very much a, a, a child of, uh, of the same era of comics we were and, and, and loves American comics and knows them. Um, so a few months ago, we got the solicit from Oni Press. Uh, writer Ed Brisson was, was coming over to Oni to do a creator-owned book called The Ballad of Sang. And who was going to draw it? None other than Mr. Maselli. And the first issue hit them streets, and I have to say I'm really pleased with how it came out. It it's the first of a five issue mini series. And I um I'm I'm not gonna I'm just gonna steal this straight from Ed because when he gave an interview about the book, he said that uh um, that he had been wanting to tell the story since two thousand and ten. It's he sat on it for years, uh, until he could find the perfect artist and then he eventually found Alessandro. He said it was um a project that was driven out of his love for cult cinema and trashy, and trashy VHS treasures, which is right up Vince's alley. Um, and it's, it's essentially his love letter to the uh, martial arts and, and, and gangster movies of his youth. Um, the premise is, is relatively straightforward. Sang is a young man. Um, hard to pin exactly how old he is. He's, he's a teenager of some sort. Um, he's a Filipino, uh, boy who was adopted, um, by a man named Chen, a Chinese gentleman named Chen who trains him to be an assassin. It's like, he's like his apprentice and, uh, we are dropped into a point in Sang's life where he is well, well established. He's already a badass. He is, um, he's got a giant scar across his face. He's got a, a whited out eye and he's a mute. So they, they speak in sign language and he is sent on a mission by Chen, uh, for, um, an Italian gangster named Don, uh, Minchella. And he, let's just say is a little too successful in his mission. He oversteps his bounds and, uh, there are consequences to pay. And this is essentially the Don comes to collect, uh, for the mistake that he perceived to have happened. And, uh, and Sang is forced to defend himself and make his escape. And we're sort of left with a bit of the way that we were left at the end of John Wick 2 where Sang has cut off Don Mancella's arm and run away with it and wiped out most of his crew. And so the Don puts out uh, a massive hit on Sang. And essentially every gangster thug 'er ne'er-do-well within the city limits is now incentivized to take down sang and so you've got this teenage assassin who's now by himself effectively orphaned in them streets trying to i'm sure in the next four issues survive the gauntlet that is everybody in the town wanting to kill him um it's it's like a john woo film come to life basically um in comics and it's it was it was Awesome stuff! I, I love the first issue. I thought that Alessandro was was well appointed for it. Um, he, his style is is what I think you would consider cartoony, wow. um, and so it is an interesting juxtaposition against the violent uh, nature of the book. And I think it uh, it mellows that out a bit, and I, I dig it a lot. So um, stoked! And, and definitely recommend people pick this up and uh, pre order issue number two this month. So the Ballad of Sang. Number one by Ed Brisson and Alessandro Maselli with uh, colors by, probably butchering his name, Shari Chankama.
0: Nice. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I am happy to inform you that the mystery wine is now no more.
1: Um, Peace out,
0: mystery wine. Yep, you all gone. And we're all gone. You hardly knew you and we're all gone so you got to do what you got to do so somebody doesn't do what they do and i'm talking about sagan night oh
3: david short sweet good night go showdy. oh david
0: nice come back next week we will have a uh, steaming hot and or cold beverage Waiting for you. Uh, join us on the Facebooks, on the Twitter, and if you would be so kind, check out our Patreon page. Patreon. Yes, yeah, Patreon.com forward slash eleven o'clock yes. one one o'clock no apostrophe comics, and we're there, and we're having a lot of fun. David, did you notice I did you a solid this past week? What? Every day featured Gil Kane artwork.
3: I know it was a all double of Marvel
0: Two was double. The, yes, there was
3: one. There was one particular cover that I couldn't, I couldn't heart, but all the rest were, uh, were glorious. Mm.
0: Hmm. Um. We will be having a theme week for the next two weeks. The first is an Eclipse themed week, and the second is a First Comics themed week. So I'll get really? Oh, oh, on the on the covers, you mean? No, on the, yeah, on the, on the on the Patreon thing.
1: And stay tuned for two episodes next week. Yep. We we've got our book of the month, which is JSA Volume book one. one, Book One, right? Book Jeff, one.
3: JSA by Jeff Johns, Book One. Uh, even though he's not in the first few issues. <laughs> uh, true.
1: And then. On our regularly scheduled episode It will be us with uh, One of our good friends in the fourth chair We won't tell you who But we will tease in two ways The first hint It's one of our people that have Shockingly never been in the fourth chair before Crazy And two And this hint may may give it away for some of you It's one of the rare guests Where we actually think Raph Will enjoy listening to the episode
0: Oh you did give it away did I? I think so.
1: I might have given it away to 10 of the thousands upon thousands of people listening. <laughs> I think, maybe. <laughs> Not as though everyone that listens knows Raph.
0: Raph's a pisser.
1: And one more love to the Crusade family.
3: Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. And watch Alter Carbon. Oh, hells to the yes. I'm
1: only in episode 8, but it has oh. been freaking awesome it is it is so dude the production God. values are off the charts right I mean, it's beautiful it's so beautiful and and it's clever and it's, it is it's, and it, it, it keeps smart. it keeps twisting you up like you think you know where you're going where it's going and then they just like oh oh snap okay
3: and and, and the way some of the cat i mean there's the whole mystery vibe of it with you know who murdered me but then you have the it's it, th- th- there's some conversations that feel like they're just plucked out of those th- those 30s and 40s noir movies and and it is so it it has such a a blade of runnery feel to it 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 is it or visually it I should say it uh, but it is it's so good it is so good and and do yourselves a favor I, I don't know I mean, I don't I don't know how it compares to the books yet because I haven't read. Any of them, but I I am totally immersed in this world they've built. Yes.
0: Come back next week. We'll be here. We love you. Say goodnight. What is? Nightcrawlers. What the hell was
3: that? I said, Call us. It sounded like he said nightcrawlers. That's what I thought he said. (laughs) Oh, I said, Goodnight, call us.